interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Real connections with people are rare. You shouldn't be too quick to let them go. Stay. Please. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Hello and welcome to The Salt Report, where two of the internet's saltiest nerds dish out all their salt about comics, movies, video games, cosplay, and all things nerdy. With me in the recording room tonight is Jesse. Yo. It's just me and Jesse tonight. Kay and Jesse holding down the fort again. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> I mean, like, the other one had a baby. The other one? <laughs> Jake's gone for like four <laughs> weeks, one. and I'm like, whatever his name is. Whatever the fuck his name is, had a baby. So I guess he gets. Jake's it. out on paternity leave. So, you know. Yeah, he hasn't left the country or anything. I mean, he might have. How would we know? <laughs> but I doubt it. <laughs> the real Jake He's still left. posting cute videos. Okay, the real He's still Jake. posting cute videos of his son. No, but the real so. Jake left and a man who was hypnotized to think he's Jake and had facial reconstructive surgery is now currently the Jake taking care of his family and doing stuff. And the oh, real no. Jake is gone. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Jake immediately snipes me. <laughs> no one can know. Yeah, he's back to recording now. <laughs> to, to, uh, to editing now, so yeah. he's going to know that you said these things. What's the sponsor in our hearts? It's that Sasuke meme, though. <laughs> you guys know the one. You probably don't, because by the time this comes out, there's going to be ten more Sasuke memes. <laughs> but it's the one of him being held against the wall by different people. God, it's actually kind of satisfying to me, because I always wanted to choke Sasuke. Um, yeah. Yeah. I. But let's be honest. One of my friends messaged me once out of nowhere and said, you probably loved Sasuke, didn't you? And I was like, how fucking dare Cold you out. come for my entire life like this? Yes, yes, I was wearing eyeliner and thinking Sasuke was cool and listening to emo music, but that's none of your fucking business. <laughs> <laughs> God. After I came back from Anime LA, my boss told me that he cosplayed Naruto once at a Halloween party or types likewise function, and I about died. <laughs> I believe it, Kay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this is like when I revealed to my friends that in the fifth grade I was Inuyasha for Halloween. And my cousin was Songo, and nobody knew who we were because we were trick or treating, except for later in the night, some adults knew who we were. But like, it was just kind of one of those things where adults were just like, What? What are you? <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about Don't, it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Where are we a booze? <laughs> 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 
Yes! One one is the sound effect of dogs barking. It's the automatopoeia. Okay. <laughs> you didn't know this? That's the sound. No. It's like mice go choo choo choo, and like dogs go one one one. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not as big of a weeb as you are. But... <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> we should move on before I embarrass myself some more. <laughs> All right, well then, let's move into pre-salt. I just called Jesse a weeb, but I'm here to talk about Anime Los Angeles <laughs> the entire podcast, so who's the real weeb? Uh. <laughs> Dead ass in the hotel room. Uh, we were my, I was talking with my friends about My Hero Academia, and... Um, Somehow dub versus sub came up, and my one friend said that, like, he, um, has only ever watched it subbed, and I just, I kind of made my usual, the dub's fine, you're just mean, comment, and he's like, no, sub superiority, and I'm just like, you fucking wee-woo, while I'm sitting here at an anime convention that I spent money to attend. <laughs> Sometimes, it, de- it for, like, honest... To God, sometimes I just prefer the sound of certain voices over other voices, and like, of course, I'm just has, lazy. Like that's yeah. my main reason for watching dubs. And like, there's nothing wrong with dubs, but like sometimes I'll hear somebody's voice in English, and I'm like, this isn't happening. Let me see if the Japanese version like is you know like better sounding, and I it often is, and like old anime, it behooves you to watch the. Um, the dubs in, in like 80s and yeah. early 90s anime are all pretty universally terrible. Unless so. you're watching Devil Man, in which case I highly recommend you watch the dub. It will increase... Not because it's good, but because it's a life experience. It's a whole ass experience. And I was laughing so hard I cried. So, you know, <laughs> that's my, my dub recommendation. But like stuff like Cowboy Bebop, I can honestly, people are going to come at me, but I can honestly watch that dubbed and I'm fine. Like, oh, yeah. Well, people always say the Cowboy Bebop dub is good. Yeah. The voices are good. It's good. Tell me um, about Anime LA. I'm holding a mic up yes. to my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was great. Uh, I think next year I'm going to be more prepared for it because, A, I'd never been to a four-day convention before. And, B, I didn't realize that it was being held in three different buildings until, like, the second or third day. <laughs> um, so I was like, oh, this is kind of small for like how many people are here. But then it turns out that like the game room and a bunch of other panels and shit were in totally different buildings that I just wasn't aware of. So now that I know that maybe I'll actually like check some of those things out next year. Um, but um, I also like, feel like I need to explain that um, how different Utah conventions are from conventions basically anywhere else um like anime bonsai you can't sell anything even remotely not safe for work in the in anywhere at all um they don't serve alcohol there's a bar on on at the hotel uh and you definitely get frowned upon for drinking at it while you're there um by other attendees the staff don't really do anything unless you're like a hazard to yourself and others um, 
but it's not it's not a drinking con. Um, the the culture is just very different. Children are always there. Um, whereas I've noticed going to out of state cons, like no, hardly any kids are there usually. Wait, um, I'm sorry. Does this mean that during the cons of like the mid two thousands and early two thousands, you missed the hentai guy? No, he wouldn't have been allowed in. Okay. Probably. Well, they made me show my ID before to go in there, and then I got to touch fake boobs. And (laughs) true story, there was this one guy in a costume who used to sell, like, hardcore yaoi. He's the yaoi paddle guy, the dealer. I don't know if you've ever seen a yaoi paddle. They're an ancient artifact. I've seen a yaoi paddle. Those did make it to Utah Kong. Yeah, the Seme and Uke ones. Um, And... That is also how my friend got a yaoi umbrella, and it's, like, it's technically a parasol, but it's, like, sealed, so you can use it in the rain, and, like, she's, like, please, uh, she's, like, oh, I got a yaoi parasol, and I was, like, oh, you mean, like, she's had this thing since the dawn of time, and I was, I thought she meant, like, one that just said yaoi on it, right, but then she, like, opens it up, and there's, like, like, two men on it kissing, <laughs> I was like, do you use that in public? <laughs> and like, yeah, that kind of stuff would not fly uh, in the dealer's hall at Anime Bonsai. They they allow ship art and stuff like that, but it has to be pretty chaste. Uh, I'm thinking, like, so something I saw at both Soccer Con and Anime Los Angeles were these, like, charms where um, the character in the charm appeared to be bound up, and they would, like, wrap it with string or whatever. You can't oh, yeah, you can put your headphones bonsai. on them. Yeah, you can't yeah. sell those at Anime Bonsai. Or people at least don't try. Are those, um, like, super lewd, what do you call them, body yeah, pillows, covers? Yeah, none of those. Damn. Um, <laughs> there are body pillows, but they're not lewd. Um, just, like, it's just, like, a really different beast. There's kids everywhere. Like, yeah. And then you go to Anime Los Angeles, and there's, like, a curtained-off room in the dealer's hall. And they're like, you have to show your ID to get in here. And so my friends and I line up, like, what is this? And I'm like, well, it's porn, but, like, sure, I'll line up with you guys. And then we get in, and uh, we're just like, I don't know what I expected. But <laughs> They gave us free tissues when we went into the hentai booth. <laughs> they didn't do that for us. <laughs> the weird part was when we kind of looked around and we're like, okay, well, I mean, this isn't, we don't, I, I could do this at home, so let's just leave. Um and we walk out through the curtains, and the the hostess or whatever is like, "How was it? Like, don't don't ask me these questions. Like, <laughs> how was it? Don't make eye contact. Don't look at me." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it was just like there were hardly any kids. If I, I don't think I actually saw any. Like, it was just it's just a very different like yeah. culture. Um in other states versus Utah. And I think maybe a lot of the weird shit I'm going to say is probably going to be explained by the fact that I've only really gone to conventions in Utah until recently. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's just straight up porn in the, in the dealer's hall in this one. That was wild. Um, yeah, that's where that's the hentai booth is where I touched the fake titties. Cause they also had these like soft, this wasn't a hentai booth though. It was straight up just like a cosplayer. Oh, it was like, naked. yeah, they do have cosplayer naked booths too. When yeah, they sell their like. I don't. I did not see a hentai booth. The the hentai um, booth was my true true love, but only because it had the fake titties, and I wanted to buy <laughs> those, but they were not for sale. <laughs> I was like, for my gentle, um, my tender wrist. We tended to like 
go to a lot of 18 plus panels because we're like, what are those going to be like here? Because they have, they have like after dark panels at Bonsai. Um, but we figured they would probably be a very different beast at a convention that actually allowed people to act like adults. Um, so we went to like the fashion show after dark, which ended up just being like a lingerie fashion show. That's not that exciting. Uh, some of the designs were cool, but we were just like, okay, well, I, again, I don't know what I expected. Um, we went to like Todd Havercorn's not safe for work panel. Um, that was a lot of fun. We went to the voice actors after dark panel that I'm going to talk about that later. Um, oh boy. <laughs> you know, some people should just not be given a microphone. Um, <laughs> that's not against any of the voice actors that were at that panel. They, it was, uh, Justin Briner and Morgan Berry and Christopher Wenkamp. And they were, they were fine. It was, it was everybody else that ruined that panel. Um, but so we kind of stuck to those. And I think now that we know kind of what it's about, we'll do more panels and events and stuff. I mentioned to my friends that I'd like to see the formal ball, um, stuff like that. But, um, it was, it was fun. We had a good time. It was overwhelming. God, I've never been to a four day con before. It's like having that extra day is just like, oh boy. Working at a four-day con is a fucking time, too, because you're just like... I bet. Yeah, like, there's a point where, like, on the last day, you've left your body, and you're like, when is this hell going to end? Like, you had fun, but, like, at the same time, you're like, I'm... I am done. That's why... I dared go into the artist alley on on Saturday, and it was hell. It was, like, shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, it was foolish. The lights went out, and everybody screamed. It was wild. You know, the the funniest thing is that the Artist Alley opened up at, like, 9 a.m. at Sack Anime, and I was like, who the fuck needs a print at 9 o'clock in the morning? Who wakes up and is like, oh boy, time to get my second People print. definitely were probably there at 9 a.m. They fucking truly were. <laughs> and I, I definitely wasn't. I was, because I was working there, and I'm like, yeah. do you really need a print right now? They're cosplay and shit, too. And I'm yeah. like, dudes, I'm barely yeah. alive. Cosplayers, man. They're dedicated. <laughs> um, I also, of course, I watched the cosplay contest. I didn't participate. I thought about it, but also I kind of didn't want to go to the cosplay contest at a con I'd never been to before. So maybe, again, maybe next year. going to be saying that a lot. Um... But it was awesome to watch. They played, like, goofy-ass AMVs before, uh, including one that I'm going to have to see if I can find online, because it was amazing. It was, um, what's that character in My Hero Academia that can face through walls? Oh, uh, but not But his clothes always get left behind. I think his name is M- Mino? Mino? Something. Um, one I, million, yeah, whatever. A million, Amelia, hold on. I'm... It was that character... And it was the Old Spice body wash commercial audio. Like, this Old Spice body wash is too powerful to let this commercial end. That one. It was great. God. Um, and also the winner of the Best in Show was a cosplayer from Utah. Woo! Um, I'm going to have to see if I can find that skit in a couple of days and share it on Twitter. Because it was awesome. It was Fire Emblem. Um, it was um, the, By the one way, of the cosplayers... It is oh, Mirio. It's Mirio. Mirio? Yes. Okay. It was Mirio plus Old Spice Body Wash. Um, 
but one of the cosplayers uh, cosplayed as Petrine from Fire Emblem Path of Radiance, and her name is Renegade Cosplay. And then, um, I don't know the other one, but she was Renolf, also from Fire Emblem Path of Radiance. They did a really cool skit um, and won Best in Show. So I'll have to see if I can find it. It was really neat. Um, they also had a really awesome halftime show <laughs> that was like... Um, the plot, I guess, of it was that the guy was a self-professed otaku, and he was, like, trying to find an anime to binge watch, but everything he found wasn't quite right. But they had, like, dance numbers associated with the different kinds of anime he was trying to watch. So, like, sports and slice of life and whatnot. It was it was really well done. I'll have to see if I can find that, too, because it was pretty funny. Um, I don't know. A lot of stuff I'm going to be talking about later in the podcast, so I'm kind of like, uh... Um, I will say, though, that we went to uh, Daiso, which, I, mm-hmm. from what I can gather, is, like, a Japanese dollar store. Yeah! And Wait, you guys don't have Daiso in Utah? Not, not in Utah. This is a goddamn tragedy. I think, Excuse me. I think, Salt Lake, I think Salt Lake City is too small of a city to have one. We I, have, like, Asian markets, we but have not tiny, Daiso. We have tiny, like, cities here that have them. I think they're just super prolific, maybe, in California, but, like... I'm so it would make sense. But. Sad. I'm gonna go open a Daiso in fucking Utah now, and <laughs> and it's just gonna be dedicated to Kay. <laughs> when we went to it, I had gotten already in cosplay for the day. This was on Sunday, so I was in my Voltron costume, and we're just like we're going to Daiso, and I'm like, all right, fine, I guess, and like, so I'm just hanging out at Daiso dressed as Keith, and like I'm I am really awkward wearing um my costumes just like in the wild um not at a convention so i felt a little awkward in that one and like what this random employee walks by and she's like i like your keith cosplay and i'm just like caught between being appreciative and being really really embarrassed um but i got a a million years ago the first time i ever went to soccer con we went to japan town and i got uh, melon cream soda and I loved it and I could never find it in any of the Asian markets back home but I found it at Daiso I was so happy every time I think so. of like cosplay in the wild um, I just recently had someone tell me the story about how her and her friend um, her friend was like oh do you want to go um, do you want to wear one of my costumes to a convention because she was going to her first convention and she was like oh sure and she's like who do you want to be and she was going to be super Sailor Moon and so um her friend was and so she's like oh why don't you wear my normal sailor moon um like her schoolgirl outfit and then i have an extra wig as cosplayers do and <laughs> she's like sure so they they get there and they're walking down the street and it's like before they actually get to the convention center area she's like i just start sweating my balls off because i'm so embarrassed <laughs> that i'm dressed like sailor moon and then she's like but then this huge muscle builder dude goes and like runs across the street and is like oh, sailor moons can i take a picture with you like this giant guy and she's like and then i immediately relaxed um but she said also in that con they went through um starbucks on their way there one day and her friend was driving and her friend was dressed as toff from um avatar <laughs> and uh the guy working there is like should she be driving <laughs> <laughs> it's like that story that somebody posted on tumblr when they went through the starbucks drive-thru in an iron man mask 
they're like, okay, what's the name on the order? And so she's like, Iron Man. He's like, no, I know who you really are. And this receipt comes out and it says Tony Stark. (laughs) (laughs) I know who you really are, Iron Man. My friend dressed as Dobby uh, from My Hero Academia. Um, One of the days of the con. And for those of you not in the know about that show, Dobby is the one with the scars um, all over his face and like tons of staples and whatnot. That kind of looks like Frankenstein's monster. Um, So he's just like walking down the halls of his hotel, trying to leave so he can get to the con. And some lady like stopped him and was like, Whoa. And uh, through the course of their conversation, he realized that she probably thought that was his actual skin. (laughs) And that he just looked like Oh my that. god, no! <laughs> no, it's liquid latex. That's hilarious. Oh my god. I definitely, but. my favorite thing that ever happened to me is when I was, uh, my friend and I, she was Cap, and I was um, Hawkeye. We were walking down the street, and that guy was like, it's so. Captain America! And that Hawkeye! And I was like... <laughs> This is so fucking canon right now. We also had a very small person dressed as Tony Stark. Like, if it was any other situation, I might have been mad. But, like, it was clearly... Like, we were having a fun time, so I wasn't mad. But they they also had a lollipop in their mouth, which was super funny. And they, like, they see my friend dressed as Cap. And they, like, get up onto our table a little bit. And they're like, hey! And they kind of lean across our table. <laughs> and I started laughing so I'm like, get out of here, Stony. <laughs> get out of my <laughs> fucking table. <laughs> um, oh, and I also, on Saturday, I went to the Final Fantasy gathering dressed in my Mikote costume. I did not last long in that costume, only like four <laughs> hours. It was so cold. Um, it was just really cold and rainy that day. Um, it didn't start raining until after the gathering had happened, so that's good, but like once it was like mm, time to rain like the wind kicked up and it just got so cold um but I, i'm glad i went i met niku monster she's very sweet she was dressed in her yukiri costume and when i went up to her and was like hey are you niku monster she's like yeah you're a crow feather right and i was like holy shit um <laughs> Aww, so cute. she's very sweet um her boyfriend, uh, Vintendo, was also there. I met a lot of, like, Instagram cosplayers that I know from the Final Fantasy cosplay scene, and they were all very nice. Um, and it was a great time. I got some really fun ribbons from that. <laughs> Someone had one that said Bamf Mage, and it had the Black Mage job icon. And he was like, you have to tell me, like, a um, stereotypical Black Mage quote. So, of course, I just said healers adjust and <laughs> got it. <laughs> healers adjust healers adjust i'll adjust your hit points to zero if you tell me that (laughs) 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 but um it was fun but after a while i had i had to go inside because it was so cold but i after that i'm just like okay i went through artist alley one more time this is when the lights went out um and i was talking to somebody at their booth and i had like I was kind of talking with my hands, but also it was super packed in there, so I was trying to, like, keep all of my costume pieces close to my body. Yeah. And so when the lights went out and everybody screamed, it scared me, and I kind of pulled my hands up towards my face, and the um, artist was like, oh, just like a cat! And I'm like, (laughs) okay, I guess. (laughs) I bought a very cute shirt while I was in there and went back to the hotel room to change into it because I was frozen. But... 
I, and I just left my face makeup on because I'm just like, fuck it. That was my that was my whole like look for TM for the nighttime for ALA was change out of costume, uh, except for Ozra. I stayed in Ozra all fucking day. But like night look was change out of costume, leave on makeup because who fucking cares? Yeah. Um, especially my taco makeup because my taco makeup was cute. It's my friend had cute. like a star shaped uh, eyeliner stamp that we both used. It was great. Um, but yeah, I guess that's, well, I guess I talk about ribbons. I was really like hype about the ribbon game when I talked last time, but then like, I didn't really go after them cause I was so overwhelmed by the con. Yeah. Um, but I, I got a couple of good ones. I got one with Hawks on it. That's really cute. Um, the, there was an artist uh, in Artist Alley that got excited about my Osra costume and just gave me the ribbons, even though, like, you were supposed to buy something for them. <laughs> I left her a tip in her tip jar, because um, I felt bad just, like, taking them. But um, they're really cute. One and... time, I, so this, I was, that was, when I was dressed as Loki, this person came to my table to tell me how much they love Loki, and I was like, oh, you can also take one of my business cards, because there was a print of Loki on it, right? Um and she was like, oh, thank you so much. And then she came back and dropped like $4 and quarters into my <laughs> tip jar, um, which was Chaotic also <laughs> which was also like called Loki's Dagger Fund. <laughs> and there were some good tip jars. Yeah, they're, uh, the, it's like one. super fun. The tip jar culture in Artist Alley. Like my friend had. They don't really do that at Bonsai, maybe because it's such a small yeah. one. My but friend like, had who's your favorite like video game daddy and like it was a competition. Oh, were they at this one too? Because there was one of those. Maybe. Like there was who's your favorite daddy? There was like uh it was All Might, uh Zerun Tia from Final Fantasy Fourteen. Um There were two other choices that I'm not These were like right real now. video oh, Hohenheim? These were dads Hohenheim who were like actual dads in video games. Yeah, um, one of them was an actual dad, Hohenheim, but <laughs> <laughs> this wasn't like daddy. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I know, but um, there was definitely like who was your like vote for the best dad, and it was these four characters. I don't remember who the fourth one was, but it was I remember all my Hohenheim and Zeruntia. Um I know that one of I- the ones for them was the um, the dude from. Um, that game where you slay gods <laughs> oh kratos, kratos. That was the fourth one yeah oh was it the fourth we one? were all like well i don't know if he's a good dad but he's my favorite <laughs> maybe that maybe it was her ah! i should ask my other friend who's like much more on top of- she was like traveling for a long time so we'll see yeah the the last one that was uh the red mage teacher from Final Fantasy. So I voted for him because I'm capital O obsessed with Final Fantasy 14. But um, my then I, I think one of my friends voted for uh, Kratos and another one voted for All Might. And we were all just like, Hohenheim's a horrible dad. <laughs> <laughs> we were thinking, um, I think it's, is it, I think her Twitter handle is Dilfasor, 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 the like the person who does all the Hanzo um that does sound familiar, but I I don't remember. And this who is this well, no, was. this is a, this. I was talking about their this person's tip jar. This is the person who does all the like Hanzo comics or oh, whatever. Okay. And I think she works for College Humor too. But like, they had this tip jar that was like <laughs> Yugi's grandpa. 
hitting against this, like, help me get my granddad, grandpa out of the shadow realm. <laughs> and that one was so funny to me. I was like, how do I not? But yeah, I, I like creative tip jars too. And also I almost cried when somebody left me $4 and quarters. I was like, that's a whole coffee almost. So. <laughs> almost. Almost. <laughs> that's, I love how I'm like, that's a whole coffee almost. <laughs> um but yeah i think again next year if i go back again i won't be quite so overwhelmed and i'll be able to get more ribbons and maybe i'll even have ribbons to give out i was planning to make some for bonsai this year uh which i think is my next ribbon con um since i'm not going to anime expo i think they do it at anime expo too i'm not sure but yeah um i think that's all i got until the salt um, I've got a couple of things. I've got, uh, so I picked up Snot Girl, the first trade, and it was so fucking good that I immediately put it down and then, like, went on Amazon and ordered the second one. <laughs> I was just like, I must. Um, it's written by, uh, fuck, the guy who did, um, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. His name is okay. Brian Lee. And um, it's illustrated by Leslie Hung. So this is actually, I think, the first comic he's written that he hasn't also drawn, um, which is interesting. The art is super beautiful. But essentially, um, anybody who doesn't know what this is about, it's about a um, beauty Instagrammer, blogger, you know, like fake. Actually, they might actually use Instagram in here um, or some, you know almost exactly Instagram word, but she's like super, she's a super popular fashion blogger. Um, but she like, doesn't really actually leave her house. It's like, you know how the whole curated blogger thing, like she's a very, she curates her appearance, but like she has horrific allergies. So she doesn't actually do much like her, her real life and her blog life are like two separate things entirely. And like, um, I feel, I feel really bad for her ex-boyfriend who, who like, legitimately had a thing about how she cares more about her appearance than, like, anything else, or how she appears to people, and, like, now he can't escape her, and then his girlfriend was, be, like, became obsessed with his ex-girlfriend, his new girlfriend, and then she's like, actually, I'm a lesbian, and I'm in love with your, girlfriend, your ex-girlfriend, and he's like, I, I'm like, this dude cannot fucking catch a break, and then, like, one of his friends is also obsessed with her, and this other dude he knows wants to bang her, and he's just like, I, I just want to not live with this life, um, but essentially, she meets this girl who, um, who's, like, I, I don't know, like, just, you know, like, those people who are just cool without even fucking trying, and she's also, um, a blogger, but then they go out, and she sees the girl slam her head on the floor, and it cracks open, and it's bleeding all over the floor, and she thinks she's dead, but then the next day, she's, the other girl's fine. It's, it's hard to explain the plot of this, but essentially, what's real and what isn't starts becoming blurred and she keeps thinking she's hallucinating. She meets a ghost. Um, the other girl like pushes someone off of a building. Like there's a, and then for some reason she has a keeper who says he's her brother, but then is like, actually I'm her cousin, but also is stalking people. And then there's a private investigator who is obsessed with her and like, 
it, it's a whole mess. And there's like a there's a whole point where I'm like, I can no longer tell what's real and what isn't. And just when you think you know what's going on, it like slaps you across the face and it's like, just kidding. And it's weird because it's a story about a blogger, but it's so fucking surreal. It, is this the real life or is this just fantasy? It's also funny. Yeah. You sold me on it. So. Yeah. It's also super funny and like and I'm and I'm endeared to the characters, but you're like, these people are not good people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I I don't know how to explain it. It's kinda how I feel about uh about Metal Gear five characters. Like I'm like, these people are not good people. Metal Gear five characters and Bakugo. And Bakugo. <laughs> and I'm like, but I care Although about Although in Bakugo's people. defense, he's literally a child. Yeah. That's that's also fair. And he's mostly nice to Kirishima, so there's that. Um, but, yeah, I the art is fucking gorgeous. I'm super in love with it. But I started reading it, and I could not fucking put it down. And so I'm probably going to buy myself the third one because I'm a fiscally responsible adult. Um, but I got a really good deal for them uh, with free shipping. So I was like, hey-oh. Um, and literally, they came in the mail, and I took them out of the package and just, like, sat down and read them as I got them. Um, but super-duper recommend. I have been having this thing where I've been picking up a lot, like, I will sit down and, like, go through, like, page previews and stuff of comics before I buy them because I have very, very little money, but I still want to buy comics because... <laughs> In the end, at the end of the day, I I still love comics. It's one of my favorite mediums. And also, like, how can I expect people to support me if I don't support them? But then I also kind of feel like it's the same $5 going around in a circle between artists. And that's kind of funny and sad (laughs) to me. But, like, um, but I definitely, it reminded me again, you know, like, hey, you actually fucking love comic books. I'm like, you write, you write. Um, that being said, there's another show coming out. Is it... Uh, I'm trying to remember. It's based on a comic as well. And I'm trying to remember what the name of this fucking comic is. Um, Deadly Class. So Deadly Class is having is being picked up by Sci-Fi as a television show um it takes place in the 80s and it's about like teenagers that are brought into the school to become assassins <laughs> um another story about people who aren't necessarily good people but like are trying their best uh and basically like a homeless kid who wants who's just like done with life or like i think he runs away from home and then like he's done with life and he might want to kill himself but then he's drafted into this school for deadly assassins um and it's i it hasn't it actually drops today but i've i have it recorded so i'm gonna see how that is um because you know i love shows based on comics some of them are good some of them are awful so we'll see how this is and sci-fi is a real hit or miss sort of oh boy is it yeah because i liked warehouse 13 but there are a lot of also shows that i watched that i was like this is a really bad fucking (laughs) and never forget sharknado (laughs) never forget the 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 world's worst fucking reality television show that almost killed people um that was sci-fi network too wasn't it yeah yeah it was the team epoch (laughs) i don't know why that's the only team (laughs) um 
So I'm going to, and then another show, speaking of comic book shows, I'm super excited about, I keep yelling about this at my friend, but like, my friend doesn't really, uh, Umbrella Academy, she doesn't have an opinion either way because she didn't read it, but, uh, she's being very patient with me as I scream about the fact that next month Umbrella Academy comes to Netflix and I'm super duper duper excited. I don't know how to explain Umbrella Academy. I think the way they're going as far as I can see with the trailers and stuff is going to be way toned down. So it might be easier for people to digest than the comic because the comic is really out there. <laughs> um but like they're the same basis thing that these women had babies but they weren't pregnant when the day started. <laughs> um and then they had these babies and some of them had extraordinary gifts and this guy adopts them kind of like X-Men, but it it turns out to be very like surreal and not very X-Men-y and more like um, Hellboy X-Men-y. So if you're like into Hellboy, but you're also like the idea of gifted children who are, grow up to be fucked up, then you'll like this series. It's weird. It's cheeky. Um, and so I'm excited for the, like, TV series to drop. And I keep seeing stuff reminding me that it's next month. Um, so I'm pretty psyched about that. Now to tell you all a story. Oh, boy. Okay, so I have this I have this in, in the doc. Um, don't, don't laugh at me. But uh, <laughs> I binge-watched <laughs> an entire series. Um, so to be fair to me... <laughs> I watched one through three on a separate day. And then I watched four through 15 yesterday. <laughs> um, so, Mo Dao Zhu She, spelled M O D A O Z U S H I, is sure. I know that's like sometimes like hard to like know from looking at it. Um, is it's a Chinese animation based on a novel, based on a manhua. Um, and so I never, I had read manhua in my life, which is like Chinese comics. Um, and, but I had never watched a show, like an animated series from China. I had watched like dramas from Taiwan, but I had never watched like animation so i had no idea what to expect but this one artist i really like was doing some fan art and it was so good and i was like what is this from um and i went on an epic journey and i like back searched it through the character names and found it um but essentially the plot is that um they're (laughs) if you like avatar i think you'd really like this if you like avatar and then like the mood of Inuyasha, like, the background setting, time period, high fantasy from another country sort of, like, setting, I think you'd enjoy this. But, um, essentially, there are all these clans, and in these clans, people are trained to, like, um, what do they call them? Cultivators is what they call them in this, um, And essentially, they exercise ghosts and demons and monsters and stuff. They get rid of them. Um, And some spirits are kind of too hard, like too big and full of animosity for them to get rid of. So they just kind of seal them away. But it's become kind of this competitive thing. And there's this one clan. I guess there's five clans, but we're only really focused on four. But the Wen clan um, is basically like the Fire Nation. (laughs) So... 
they want power over all of the other clans. Um, and at first they just sort of start asserting it slowly through political stuff. And then eventually they just start taking out other clans. Um, so a war breaks out, essentially. But in the midst of all this, this person kind of arises and we meet him at the end of his first life. And then the series jump cuts into a young man performing a um, ritual and killing himself at the same time because he's offering his body to a demon. And that demon happens to be um, this dude who was a human person that we met at the beginning of the, you know, pre it's this is very confusing because they jump back in time a lot but like his name is Wei Wu Xin I think they also call him um Weiying but oh that's another thing you're gonna have a time with with this one but I really recommend it because I I do but like people are gonna be called like three different things and you just got to get used to it because when people come of age in um this era they get what's called a courtesy name but it just makes it confusing if you're white. Um, <laughs> like, I'm going to be honest. Like, I I have I have barely any idea of how these, like, like naming, naming systems outside of, like, American naming systems work. Because we have a very, like, like, Western naming systems are very much, like, your first name is your given name. And then you have a middle name, maybe. And then last name. And your last name was just what your parents' last name was and so forth. And, you know... Like, this is a lot, they have, like, clan names, and then they have titles, and then they have courtesy name, and then their name, but Wei Wu Xian um, gets summoned into this other person's body, and he has to, like, avenge that person's deeds, and then he gets to keep the body, um, but then he starts running into people from his life before he died, and the reason he died was became because he became a cultivator of demonology, like, he created a whole new sect because he's like what if instead of exercising these demons we cultivated their negative energy and controlled them and they're like we won't be doing that (laughs) and he's like but i'm doing that um for a number of reasons that you actually end up finding out it's one of those weird things where like instead of meeting a villain and being like cool story bro but it's still murder it's like I don't know how I feel anymore by the time you get to the end of it. Um, But also his outfit goes up from like a zero to a 10. And then I'm just like, well, if evil means you dress cuter, then I guess you're just going to have to be evil. Um, (laughs) But the animation is gorgeous. It's a mixture of 3D and 2D animation. But the 3D is really, really, really subtle um, in a way that I like. Like... What they tried to start to do with Sinbad, but then somebody eventually was like, no, we won't be doing that anymore uh, in the animation world. It's super cool, though. Um, it's super funny. It's There's subtitles. You have to find it. My brain was doing that thing, though, where it was like trying to like translate it at the same time that it was reading the subtitles. I'm like, let it go. Let let it go, brain. <laughs> like, we're not smart enough to like get this far. No. No. Um, but there are definitely times where I was like, I don't know if I would translate that like that. But then I was like, who the fuck knows? Uh, because also I think, like, we learn languages in a way that's very much like the teacher is making it as easy as possible for you to understand. You know what I'm saying? Um, but 
The animation's really gorgeous. There is a part where they do have flying swords, so you just gotta live with that. But, like, if Legolas can ride a shield down a staircase while firing arrows into orcs, then you can deal with a flying sword. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> uh, I cried, so that's another thing. There are lots of women characters that I I don't, that are just, like, pure wife material. There was one where I wanted to hate her, but she was just so goddamn badass, and then you realize she was just a complicated person, and that's the way reason she was the way she is. And you're like, you know, ain't that just the way? Because it turns out sometimes women are whole complex-ass people. Um, what? what? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed that. Like I said, if you liked Avatar The Last Airbender, it has that kind of, like, feel to it as well um music is dope one of the um two of the different people will use instruments uh Wei Wu Xian uses a flute uh to control zombies so that's that's pretty dope and the flute playing is pretty you know dope <laughs> if you like flutes um there's action scenes it's really hard to describe this I will say that it is actually based off of a, a novel where the two male characters actually do end up having a romance. If you watch the show, it's kind of hard to get that. And like with the crackdown that China's having right now on slash writers and artists, I don't actually know how the show is getting like pushed through. It might be coming through Taiwan, but like, I don't actually know. Um, But the manhua, it's like canon that two of the male characters are going to end up in a romance. So um, if that bothers you, why the hell are you listening to our podcast? But also... Yeah, you're in the wrong spot. Are you lost? (laughs) Yeah. But also, it's not... I also know that some people just don't like romance in general, but it's not heavy, heavy romance. It's more like action and just like character driven. And I, I did cry, though, like a fucking baby. It's hard. It's hard to watch a grown man cry, as Solid Snake will tell you when he got up and moved from a chair to another chair and turned around. <laughs> Kay, that lives in my head. Oh. <laughs> the like, art that that person drew of it was is just the funniest fucking thing. I think too because so what I'm talking about. Uh, let me just finish out. So yeah, if you have time and if you can find it, Modaozushi. Um, I've yelled about it on my Twitter, so you can probably find the name of it there. You can also DM me if you're like, hey, what's the name of that that Chinese animation? I will tell you. Because I also think that, um, like, I've never seen much Chinese animation, and I would like to see more of it, you know? I would like to see more animation from different places in the world. Um, and also you get to see the fucking wild-ass animated commercials that are in the middle of them. I, there's just a fucking whole, at first I thought it was part of the show, but they were selling me ice cream, and I was so goddamn confused. (laughs) So you get to see that, because I've never seen that in my entire life. Um, but yeah, DM me and I will, if you can't find me yelling about it, or you didn't get it through here, I will give you the spelling of it and everything. Um, so that's that. Back to Solid Snake. I, I was like... So I send the stuff I find to Kay with the thought that, like, especially if it seems older, that, like, Kay has probably seen it all. She's like, I was there when those memes were born. Because um, I'm late <laughs> to this party. But there was this excerpt from, like, the novelization 
where it talks about the novelization of MGS uh, 1, where it talks about Snake seeing Otacon cry, and he's like, I was uncomfortable with watching a grown man cry, so I got up from and moved to another chair and turned around. And, <laughs> and like, in the context, it's funny, but then someone drew it, and, like, just to see him get He basically up. just, like, gets up and drags his chair to the corner and sits facing the wall like an angry toddler. <laughs> it's so funny. While well, Otacon is crying. And I'm like... Ah. <laughs> but if this is solid state, he, you know, I thought his weird... I thought, like, when Otacon cried in Metal Gear Solid 2, um... And Snake's like, what if we high-five? I thought that was awkward. But, like, honestly, if his first reaction in the first game was to, like, get up and move to another chair and turn around and face the other way, like, he's grown. He's... <laughs> I think I think in the actual game, he just kind of stares at him. Yeah. Like, it's real awkward. I've never been trained to feel feelings. I've only been trained to kill. Um, Actually, it can Except be... Except he has that huge meltdown if you let Meryl die. Yeah. I honestly, I think like I there's a lot to be inferred about um about Solid Snake, Dave. That is really sad, especially Metal Gear Solid Four, which I cannot bring myself to finish. I'm K. I hate that I feel human emotions for a goddamn Metal Gear <laughs> game, but like <laughs> they're like there's moments of like writing genius in them for sure, in spite of all the bullshit. <laughs> I'm just like, I can't do this. I I really liked him meeting his mom with, like, who's, like, I don't know, 70 years old with her tits out. But, like, at first I was like, why does this lady have her boobs out? And then she's like, I'm Eva. And I was like, oh, my God, never mind. It's that she Big would, mama. Yeah, big mama <laughs> would definitely have her tits out. Um, <laughs> and like, they'll know from the titties that it's Eva. And I was like, will I? <laughs> I was just like, why are her titties out? Um, but then it would be really awkward if I met my mom or like the, I guess she just carried him in their, her womb, but like, she just had her tits out. Um, in my head, she like, looks like, uh, what's her name from Blondie or, you know, is her name Debbie Harry? I, I don't know. I don't know. But like, that's what she looks like in my brain. Like, of a very nice, you know, looking older woman who's still, like, is stylish and is, like, the rules be damned. Um, but there are moments in that game that make me straight up fucking, like, like, the whole part about how he's, like, programmed to die. And I, I, then I'm just, like, ugh, and then and Sonny's there, and I'm, like, whose fucking child is this? <laughs> Who, um... Olga's. Yeah, but when did they acquire? Did I miss something? Uh, they did... they found her after uh, MGS two, because Olga talks about her. Oh, okay. How... And how like her kids like wasn't her kid being like held hostage for her or something? I oh yes yes that happens. She comes to Raiden in the torture room and tells him this backstory. Yeah, so after MGS2, they, like, go rescue her. Okay. Yeah, because... Um, for, her, for her mom's sake. To be honest, I at, there's a certain point in 
in Metal Gear Solid 2 where my brain just explodes and I can't remember anything anymore. And That's it's right, fair. It's, like, right about the torture time that it starts Well, to... I remember, like, it was, like, right before... It was, like, right after the whole scene with, like, Otacon and Snake doing their bro hug. I was like, by the way, this is the part of the game where it gets weird. Yeah. I... Like, oh, you thought it was weird before? No. No. <laughs> turn off the console. So... Um, I don't know if I had finished Metal Gear Solid 5 by the last time we talked about Metal Gear, but, like... I don't think you had. That was a couple weeks ago, so... Can I fucking talk about how... I'll talk about this in the salt, actually. Um, I I actually... But I will say one thing in the pre-salt. That fucking cover of the man who sold the world slaps so fucking hard i could not I like focus. it better than the david bowie version like i like it better than the bowie version too i'm like i was like i feel like i'm on drugs and it's the 70s and like i'm experiencing that right now in my life as as also this- like the fact that it's that it's a cover version is like actually pretty good considering the plot twist at the end of that game oh my god i was just i i was just having a fucking time i was like i'm real pissed off about this but like also i'm having a good ass fucking time and i immediately dropped it into my like i have like a 80s new wavy like i have a real 80s playlist and then i have a playlist of covers of 80s songs like and cover and like things that are made to sound like techie and stuff like that i don't know what you would call that um you know like mitch murder and gunship and all those kinds of things that are made to sound like um kung fury soundtrack don't know if you saw kung fury but that like sound that's in the background that's yeah. like the kind of I have a playlist that's just that kind of stuff and I dropped it on there and you can just hear me at like two in the morning just be like oh no not me <laughs> uh, yeah I was I was like trying to pay attention to what was going on but honestly I was dancing like I'm like this seems like something serious is happening but this fucking cover slaps so damn fucking hard I cannot pay attention <laughs> Um, in um in the PC version of Metal Gear Solid Five specifically, you can load in your own music to play through um, Snake's speaker. Um, so what this led to was a video of somebody because you can have like songs play at certain moments, like you can have the helicopter play a song when he comes in for an assist and whatnot. Uh, so what this led to was a video of somebody um, having Pequod play uh, John Cena's theme when he. <laughs> you know what? Fuck what I say normally, but human beings are actually good sometimes. Like sometimes, sometimes we have our moments. We have our <laughs> shining moments, and some they're John Cena. <laughs> so imagine Pequod blowing shit up to the sound of. <laughs> <laughs> see if i can find that video because it was great oh my god yeah i shout out to um so if you guys didn't know i slapped my mic i'm watching all of these as uh like movie cuts of all the cutscenes slapped together because i don't have enough time in my life to be playing all the metal gear games in like five days um (laughs) i don't think that's physically possible with all the cutscene time 
Um, well, the cutscene time, and they're kind of dense to get through. Like, yeah. you'd probably be looking at about 20 hours per game yes. if you're slow like me. And I'm bad at video games, so there you go. <laughs> I'm um, bad at Metal Gear games specifically, so. <laughs> I mean, I did just play Silver, and, and, I, and those of you who are like, Silver, listen, bitch, it's... <laughs> It took me so long to play Silver and Overwatch. I'm not even gonna lie, um, but I'm. Okay, I got confused because there's an RPG called Silver, and I was oh. like, "What? No, no, it's no. like an old as fuck RPG." So I was like, that "Really? Would be you play that?" Hilarious. No, um, but shout out to Richard because Richard is sending me uh, his copy that's not region locked of like Metal Gear Solid Five, so I can fucking Fulton recover shit, which is all I want to do. I just, I just want to slap. The game, like, Ground Zeroes and the Phantom Pain are, like, super fun to play, honestly. Like, I I have my problems with them as Metal Gear games, specifically, and I have problems with the writing, but the gameplay is so much fun, so, I, you know, so you'll, you'll, you'll enjoy it. Maybe I'll stream <laughs> a little bit of it, and you can hear me scream. Everybody can hear me scream. I'll play past the, like, big cutscene stuff because that'll take me a while and get in and once i'm in a place to do a mission yeah once you get like mother base then it kind of opens up um Um, it's it's also like you have a lot of options for how you can do stuff like i remember i saw this in a playthrough and i also did it myself but when you fight quiet mm -hmm. um you can like do it for real and it's pretty tough because like the light glinting off your sniper scope gives gives away your position to her and whatnot, but you could also just fucking call in uh, a um, supply drop on her face, and if you do that twice, it knocks her out entirely. <laughs> like I waited for it. I was like, like I saw it. Like I can't remember which order it happened. Where if I saw it in the playthrough first and then tried it, or if I was just like maybe. But like, yeah, I just wait. I was just like wait for it, and it landed on her head and knocked her out. I, I couldn't believe it worked. That's this is great news. Yeah, so if you guys want to watch me scream, um, let me know. I'm supposed to be responsible and be streaming art, but I just don't know a good schedule to like do because all of you live so like at different times. And Ray's messaging me that you missed it, but um, yeah. Also, my arm is hurting right now, which is another story. But hopefully, I can. Hopefully, it'll heal up, and I also will be able to play some video games. Um, although Kingdom Hearts 3 is coming out, which right now I am like hell no about it. Um, I, I love all these people who are just starting to play Kingdom Hearts or just playing through it right now. They're like, what the fuck is going on? Like, if you thought Metal Gear was confusing, try explaining the goddamn plot of Kingdom Hearts to people. Like, Metal Gear Solid is weird on purpose. Kingdom Hearts just kind of got that way. Yeah, but, like, I had to live with the word Norded, like... Yeah. <laughs> there there was a uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 Sora in the cosplay contest, and it's like, you know, this Sora walks on stage, and it's like, okay, and then Sora's just like, might fuck around and do some backflips, and just starts doing, like, a, a, na- a nasty <laughs> gymnastics routine on stage. He was awesome. Uh, he ended up winning, like, an Audience Choice Award or something, but... That's cute. <laughs> yeah, I had a... I have... On my list of many things that I have to fucking finish, um, I have a Sora print that I did for um, 
Zack anime, and he's technically supposed to be a part of three prints of Sora, Riku, and Kairi. So I should finish Riku and Kairi and then just drop all three of them at once um, since the game's coming out in a few days. The 29th. And it's After, the 16th today. It's been 84 years. <laughs> I still love my friend Raven, who is just like, when we were at fucking um, GameStop, and they're like, would you like to pre-order Kingdom Hearts 3? And she was just like... Last time I pre-ordered that, I was in high school. The story gets even better because she pre-ordered it for, like, Christmas time. And then they canceled the pre-order but didn't give her her money back. And apparently she was like, Dad, they didn't give me my money back. And he did something. And she got a, like, gift card in return and bought a bunch of stuff that was on sale. She got way more for the gift card than, like, the game was worth. So it turned out okay, but, like, I would be jaded, too. I would also be like, mm, that's not happening. <laughs> Remember all those people that came into, went into GameStop or said they were going to go into GameStop with their, like, 12-year-old pre-order slips for Duke Nukem Forever? <laughs> Raven should just do that with the pre-order <laughs> slip for Kingdom Hearts 3. Excuse me! I bought a PS3 for Kingdom Hearts 3. I'm like, oh boy, when this comes out, I'll be ready. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh at that. Oh. I just got so sad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That and for uh, The Last Guardian, which also skipped a console generation. And uh, hopefully Kingdom Hearts 3 will not be as disappointing as The Last Guardian was when it finally came out. What was the last so, Guardian for? That was the, um... That was the Shadow of the Colossus not-quite-sequel. Oh, okay. Well, I don't really know what to call it. It's not actually a sequel, but, you know. Yeah, it's like a... Same you... universe, I guess. Yeah. That's what you... The monster was cute. The game was not great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and that's my pre-salt. Alright, well... Time to move into the salt. Um, so I guess the first thing I'll talk about is I, I parked at our hotel and we get out and there's this car next to us that looked unassuming at first. But then my friend was like, yo, this is the hentai car. And I'm like, what? And I look at it, it just says hentai on the side. Like, <laughs> it's just like a normal ass, like, blue blue sedan type car, but it says hentai on the side. And I'm like, oh, all right, hentai car. And um, a few days later, we came out in the front uh, bumper and, like, hood of the hentai car was smashed. Oh so we're just like, no! Not the, the hentai, hentai car! car. So, uh, press F to pay respects to the hentai car. That was not the only anime titty car that I saw, but, um... I need, I need Definitely, definitely saw some anime, some anime girl cars at this con. A lot of them. Since... Oh, sorry. So... Since you said hentai so... car, I have to tell you this fucking license plate my friend Solid sent to us in the chat, because she takes a picture of bad license plates. And this one says, Senpai on the streets, hella hentai in the sheets. Great. 
And her sister just typed into the chat, anime was a mistake. <laughs> anime was a mistake. Um, this, this convention did nothing to convince me of otherwise, uh, even though I had a good time. Uh, I was at the... So a lot of the events that I went to, especially the After Dark ones for some reason, had people that were just so fucking annoying. Like, mm. the fashion show, people were wolf-whistling and hollering and shouting comments in the back row. And it's just like, y'all, can you just, like, not? Yeah. <laughs> Could you just not? Um, we were actually explicitly told not to wolf-whistle or catcall, which is... And so ex- extra annoying that they were just like yelling at these models. It's, can you just not, not, um, my friend actually left halfway through the fashion show because of these people. And then, um, uh, missed the part where the final designer was definitely my little pony themed. And I'm just like, I, mm, well, okay. I'll die. <laughs> so I just messaged them. I was like, the last set is my little pony themed. And they're just like, I have some feelings about that, and I'm just like, I, I know. I know. I um, have a s- private mm. story about people trying to make My Little Pony clothes erotic <laughs> for another time. But I'll just leave in the podcast that terrifying open-ended thing to haunt everyone's dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's I guess that's what this was. What They, they made lingerie based off of My Little Pony. Yeah. But they even had one that was clearly like the Sia pony from that one episode. It was anyway. Um, <laughs> other other an- an- annoying anime fans was at the um, voice actors after dark panel. So this one, like, I didn't really know what it was going to be. I just showed up, and uh, Chris Weinkamp told an embarrassing story about himself as a teenager. And then Justin Breiner told an embarrassing story about himself from, like, last year. (laughs) And um, then Morgan Berry told a crazy story from her youth. And then they're like, and we open it up to the floor. Tell us your fucked up or crazy horror stories. And I'm just like, okay, timer's on. T minus whatever until somebody admits to committing a crime. And sure enough, somebody did. And it's like, yep, knew it was going to happen. There we are. Um, you should have stood up and been like, aha, I'm the police motherfucker. <laughs> no, honestly, like after the panel, of course, I thought of this because you never think about it in the moment when you're uncomfortable listening to this guy admit to how he totally like probably raped a, an underage girl. But like, <laughs> yeah, 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 this is the level of crime that we're talking about here. I knew it was going to happen, but I, at the, after the panel, I thought that, oh, I was like, oh, damn it, I should have stood up and been like, hey, man, why don't you ta- say that louder for the cop in the back row? But yeah, you, you never think about funny things to say in the moment. You're just, in, like, awkward and uncomfortable and staring at your phone. Um, the winning story for that was kind of incredible, but uh, it was not also not, like, a crime. <laughs> <laughs> just and there were these people this this girl sitting behind us that was so obnoxious and kept screaming about like oh i got a a, sto- a story i got a story i got she kept saying it was an incest story and my friend finally turned around and was like just don't just just don't please 
and the girl's friend was like, yeah, listen, listen to this person, just stop. And I'm like, wow, when your own friends are agreeing with people telling you to not. Like, I really don't want to know what happened. She also specified that it wasn't her story, so I'm like, oh, great, so you're using somebody else's trauma to, for personal gain? Great. That's I cool. Wish I wish that, like, there is one story that my um, friend told me. It's it's not related to incest, and it's not related to crimes. It's just a perfectly wholesome, embarrassing-ass story that seems wild as hell, like it would happen in a coming-of-age movie. And, like, I... I feel like he, like, I won't tell it on this podcast because it's super embarrassing and I'm surprised he even told us, but, like, I, it's fucking hysterical and it's, but it's also wholesome and I feel like that's the kind of content I wanted, like. That's kind of how the, I won't, like, retell the last story that was told either, but, like, the, the girl got up and she was, like, straight up she's like this isn't really a fucked up story but it was really embarrassing at the time and just told this story and we're like yeah that's not really fucked up but it is pretty embarrassing and like and she told it really well and that was it but there was another guy that told a story about like his dad um like hitting a deer and calling him over so they could like dissect it and you know clean it and get all the meat out and but he told it in such a way that it was like really funny like you know you ever have somebody that can just tell a story a really boring story in a way that makes it entertaining like that's how this guy was so some of the panel itself wasn't a mistake it was just like that one guy ruined it for everybody (laughs) it was like i don't know it's just like the and like you were saying like sometimes it's also like the way this person told it because like i don't think i could tell this story also, sometimes it has to do with, like, the way a person looks and sounds when they tell the story is also a huge part of, like, why it's funny, too, you know? But sometimes yeah. those, like, things that happen to you and you think, when I was 13, if this happened to me, I would have exploded. Yeah. <laughs> like, if this was a movie, I would have just keeled over. <laughs> like, that's it. This is the end. But somehow we carried on. <laughs> Those stories are okay, but yeah, God. And then you get to, like, when I was at Comic-Con, panels are the worst. I just, I want to leave after the the people talk, because it's always the people in the audience who ask these questions, and I'm like, I wish I wasn't here right now. Like, I wish I could somehow- Yeah, we're going to have one of those in a minute, too. No, <laughs> go for it. But yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of what the voice actors after Dark panel taught me, is that some people just shouldn't be given a microphone. And I kind of wish that, like- Partway through that guy's story, the voice actor, uh, it was Chris Wenkamp that was, like, leading the show. I wish he'd kind of just walked up and been like, oh, okay, that's enough from you, um, and taken the mic, but he he didn't. Maybe he was just kind of frozen, like, what do I do? Which I can absolutely understand, because I can't say that I wouldn't be any different in that situation. But, um, yeah, oh, God, I hate, I hate anime fans <laughs> sometimes. Um, I... <sighs> I also, so on the last day, I was walking down the hallway, and the Shiro cosplayer um, got my attention. It was like, I like your Heath cosplay, and I was like, thank you. And then they were like, uh, are you going to the Voltron panel? And I was like, uh, pro- probably not, you know, because Voltron fans are like that, you know? You, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I was, just, I was just really reluctant to really... Um, if, if go to this panel. that person would have pushed me, I would have been like, I have explosive diarrhea right now. and I <laughs> <laughs> But, like, they 
they basically begged me to go to this panel. Like, they were saying, oh, Morgan Berry's running it, and she's scared nobody's going to come, and I've just been asking every Voltron cosplayer, like, please. And I'm just like, I don't, I, I don't know, maybe, okay, maybe. And, like, when is it? Like, 3.30, like, um, well, okay, maybe, whatever, I don't know. And just kind of, like, got them away from me, basically. Um, and then my two friends and I went into Artist Alley, and then they wanted to go back to the hotel for a second, um... And I didn't want to leave. And I was talking to a different Shiro cosplayer. And um, I was like, what kind of talking about like what I was going to do. Because I had these two friends with me, but I couldn't find my other friends that were at the convention somewhere. And I'm just like, well, I mean, I did get accosted by that Shiro cosplayer about that Voltron panel. And this Shiro cosplayer is like, oh, yeah, they got me too. They like aggressively T-posed at me until I said that I would think about it. And I'm just like, that's a weird statement, but okay. <laughs> and... Um, so we decided, like, okay, fine, why not? Let's go check it out. Um, and we walked, like, keep in mind, I don't actually know this Shiro cosplayer. I, they told me what their name was, but I don't remember what it is anymore. Um, and we just walked over to this panel, and we walked in a little bit late, and the first thing I hear is someone in the audience saying, well, Clance is endgame, and I'm like, oh, I already want to leave. Yeah, I, I you said Voltron <laughs> panel and I immediately started having a panic attack. Like Well, that's kind of how I felt when that Shiro cosplayer went up to me and was like, "Do you want to go are you going to go to that Voltron panel?" cuz I was just like mm-hmm. yeah! No. <laughs> uh... I don't want to go to a Voltron panel because Voltron fans are like that. Um but uh... so I'm like I say I was like I already want to leave, but like we're here now, so we sit down. And we're just kind of like, it, it doesn't get any better from there. Like, and I, I don't, Morgan Berry is a voice actor. I don't really know who she is. She had, as far as I can tell, did not voice act in Voltron, which makes it kind of strange that she was running this panel. But, um, you know, whatever, I guess. Um, they're just talking about ships the whole time. And after like five minutes, Shiro turns to me and it's like, you want to just go? And I'm like, she's looking right at us. <laughs> <laughs> we can't leave but eventually like after five minutes more minutes it doesn't it just keeps going downhill with more they're just talking about ships the whole time and like the last thing i want to do especially in voltron fandom is talk about ships and so i'm just like let's just go and so we stand up and somebody hands me a ribbon that says see you later pala dudes which made the whole thing worth it to be honest um, <laughs> and like I, we start to walk out, and Morgan Berry, like, yells after us. She's like, I'm sorry if we spoiled anything. And I was like, oh, no, no. Um, our friends are looking for us. And my I, and Shiro's like, like... I have diarrhea. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> I was like, our friends are looking for us. And Shiro's like, yeah, yeah, we got to meet up with somebody. And we just, like, booked it out of that room. And then we get outside <laughs> and kind of look at each other, and we're just like, yikes. And, like, I feel closer to that Shiro cosplayer now even though i don't know their name anymore but like we bonded in that moment over the horrors of voltron fandom she is uh 13 in my hero academia yeah and in god black clover is so goddamn bad like I, (laughs) i cannot i tried to watch that yeah i don't fucking but if those of you at home that is that is her most like big most recent role yeah was 13 um so live with that in your heart (laughs) 
as well. If you're listening to this, Morgan Barry, I'm sorry. It's not your fault that the Voltron's fan, Voltron fans ruined your panel. But God, um, was she just like a fan of Voltron? Maybe is she okay? I don't know. Or maybe she did some like writing for it or something. I don't know. I, don't know. I like I said, I'm I just... got to that panel late, so I missed her introduction. I'm just so like sad for her. Like mostly yeah, because it's not her fault. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't know what she thought was gonna happen, but like nothing good. <sighs> there were like four Voltron panels at Anime Bonsai last year, and I didn't go to any of them because I was just, like, I cannot. I can't. I don't want to. I don't want to look at the Voltron fandom. <laughs> I know when you said you were going to um, cosplay Keith, and I was thinking of you having to wear a Keith cosplay or some cosplay somewhere, and thinking about people who will come up to you to talk about Voltron. And I was like, God to be speed. honest, I had, I had, mo- I had many moments where I was like, "Is this a mistake?" Yeah. Like. Is this a mistake? Honestly, nobody bothered me in the except for that one Shiro cosplayer. Nobody really bothered me inside the actual convention. I did have this kind of like awkward moment where I saw a Keith and Lance pair walking in, um, and I while I was walking out of the building, and they looked at me and they're like, "Hey, Keith," and I was like, "Hey, Keith," and we just like <laughs> kept walking. <laughs> oh my god! And I heard them there giggling was behind me. Best Voltron but... cosplayer I ever fucking met was a hunk. That had a corgi and like a legit corgi, like a service animal. And I was like, I like your corgi, very cute. Uh, and then, um, but I, I didn't ask to pet him or anything because I know service animals are working. Um, but then he was like, Would you like to pet the corgi? And I was like, This is the best day of my life. Um, <laughs> so he came around. With, which is, this all, this whole interaction was very wholesome and hunk-like in quality, but, like, like, he's like, here, you can pet the corgi, and it, I swear to god, I was having such a good time. That's my best Voltron cosplayer experience that I had mm-hmm. at a con. And On was, the... Oh, corgi. At roughly the same time as the Final Fantasy gathering on Saturday, there was also a Voltron gathering in the same area, and there was a Lance there that was actually just Lance. Like, <laughs> they had so much energy. They were definitely leading the um, gathering. I saw one point where they got up on, like, a bench or, like, a, like you know, like, a, a platform and turned around and, like, took a selfie with everybody and was, like, getting them to chant and shout and cheer. It was it was pretty funny. Um, but God, when perhaps it was I for the went... best that I wore my cosplay on the last day of the con because I didn't get accosted nearly as much. That's true. When Nikki and I ran into the, um, we went to the uh, Overwatch meetup at Sa- um, at SakuraCon. There was like there was a one point where they were like, okay, all the Soldier seventy sixes and like like twenty dudes. <laughs> <laughs> lined up in a row (laughs) that that was the the, oh sorry no i was just gonna say that that was the con where we saw the super cute symmetra and there was a young um anna like captain amari cosplayer that was super duper good but she seemed super shy so i didn't like go up to her or anything um but yeah the there were like 50 soldier 76s walking around (laughs) When we went to the Final Fantasy gathering, they did, um, they called out, like, 
they did a big group shot and then they did each game like in um order of like most recent to least recent mm-hmm. um so they started with 15 and there was like 35 fucking people <laughs> and then they went to um type zero which had like one and then they went to 14 which was like a good 20 people um then 13 which was like two <laughs> 10 no one um but they did 12 12 and 11 also had nobody um and then nine no one eight like a squall and a keystis and then seven a it bunch of Chris people from all of the week <laughs> <laughs> That would be wild. <laughs> Just Chris there as a squall and then he leaves. No, nah, he was Keistus. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, they, they actually had somebody from Final Fantasy IV. That was, I think, the farthest back we went, though, because they called out 3, 2, and 1, and there was I don't think there was anybody. But, yeah, there was... There was like eight billion Final Fantasy fifteens, and there was a um, a Chocobo cosplayer, and I like I told her I was like, "Oh, your costume's really cute," and she's like, "Thanks." We ran out of Final Fantasy fifteen characters for my group. <laughs> I'm just like, "All right." <laughs> <laughs> That's like the person in like your kid in the school play has to play a tree or like a bush. Yeah, <laughs> yeah basically. All the main characters were taken, so she cosplayed a chocobo. There's one more thing I want to talk to, talk about before I get into the like actually serious one, uh, which is the anime girl food truck. This was I struggled to remember the name of it, but then Facebook helpfully showed me an advertisement that had this very thing that I'm about to talk about in it. So it was the Okamoto food truck. Uh, their food's actually, like, really good. <laughs> but, um, we couldn't eat there after the first day because we got sick of this fucking anime that they kept playing. It was, like, five, like a five-minute pilot for this show they're trying to kickstart about the Okamoto food truck. And it was so annoying. Like, at, I got up to the window and they're like, hey, if you can answer our trivia questions about this little anime, right, we'll give you $2 off your meal. And I was like, sweet. And I failed it and didn't get $2 off my meal. Um... But then I had to sit there while I waited for my food to come out and then while I was eating my food and listen to it over and over and over. And by the end, I was like, I will pay you guys two extra dollars to turn this off. (laughs) It was like, it was wild. I I guess look it up and see if you can find it because it's like, it's just strange, but like, She's telling the story about how she moved to L.A. because she's stalking some boy that she used to know 10 years ago that hasn't talked to her in that amount of time. And he's happened to know, like, a food truck owner or whatever and got her a job. And she lost her visa at some point. I don't remember if that was before the food truck job or after. Um, but that happened. And also, at one point, she was employed by a maid cafe that, like, you could play video games with the maid girls that were there. And she went beast mode on a guy and, like, destroyed the restaurant and got like fired and i does that happen before or after she goes to la i don't even know whatever (laughs) this is this is some weird shit and it was really annoying and then at the end she's like the like she's it turns out she's in the food truck and the guy's like can i just order my food please and i'm just like this is me watching this anime (laughs) (laughs) 
Art imitates life and life imitates art, Kay. Yeah, I guess. Oh, man. We could, like, anytime we went out to that courtyard with the food trucks, we could hear it, even if only distantly. And we're just like, I'm going to fucking, I'm going to fucking yeet that TV into the sun. I can't just with this. There's um, this in San Francisco. Anybody who's ever been to Japantown in San Francisco, there's this cafe that's called like Over the Bridge or something. Mostly they just serve noodles. But like they always play anime in there on these two TVs. It's like the whole thing is like anime um, themed. And I think about it a lot because sometimes the anime they're playing is like normal, like watchable anime and sometimes it's some stuff that's just on the edge of glory and being able to be like played where there are families and i'm like why are you playing (laughs) there are children me picks up the children and takes them outside (laughs) get these titties off this screen (laughs) oh uh but then the last thing i have to talk about is that i went to the cosplay contest and then went straight to the voice actors after dark panel and after getting back to the hotel and discussing with my friends how much of a experience that was um went to bed woke up the next morning and there's a bunch of posts on my facebook that's like my hotel is on fire and i'm like what the fuck and then i look at the comments and my friends are like actually there's a car on fire in my hotel parking lot and i'm like what the fuck and it turns out arson arson is what the fuck um, there were a bunch of memes about it the day of where people were like, oh yeah, Katsukan over here where people, people like one punch manning, like holes in the wall. ALA comes up like, dude, hold my beer, blows up seven cars. I believe the, t- the tally at the end was seven cars were damaged yeah. in this fire. Um, and they released the surveillance footage to today and it's wild, but. To be fair to you, you sent me this message like jake and i this message that was like someone blew up um, oh yeah i tweeted it i was like someone blew up a car or something and it was just like at at my at my friend's hotel and it was just so vague and i was just like oh a car so i was telling my friends about it and then like a couple hours later my twitter feed blew up and i'm like is everybody (laughs) okay to be fair i follow a lot of cosplayers who there were like, also a lot of um, artists in the artist alley that were helping to raise money um, for the people whose cars were affected. So if you follow a lot of artists, especially if artists that were there, yeah, you would have seen a lot of this stuff. So, um, but yeah, it turned out to be a part of a greater stalking incident, um, and the other cars were just collateral damage. Like the primary target was a girl that had rejected him or whatever. Uh, like I said, they released the surveillance footage. You can see him doing it. It's pretty intense. Um, you don't see this in the video, but the original article described him, like, lighting a match and trying to, like, throw it on the car, but that didn't work, so he had to get out his lighter, and which is the part you actually see in the footage. Um, and it's just like, wow, that happened. Uh, I think it's interesting, too, that, like, we had this big Gillette commercial debacle around and men screaming about how actually toxic masculinity doesn't exist and you just hate men and then Meanwhile. a stalker blows up <laughs> fucking someone's car with seven like with other cars as collateral damage because a girl said no like yeah hmm hmm <laughs> hmm 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 
My friends yeah. were saying that like they didn't they like the fire alarm starts going off, but they didn't do anything at first because like if you go to a lot of these cons, I don't think I've ever been to a single convention where some jackass didn't pull the fire alarm. Like it just yeah. happens. And so of course they're like, Oh, did it have to be at two AM? And then all of a sudden there's people out in the hallway yelling, Don't go that way, there's a fire and it's like, uh, maybe we should get up right now and leave. Yeah. Um But man, I, I don't even know what to say about it anymore because my friends and I have been talking about it all weekend, so I'm just like, I, yeah, I think arson about, happened. I, get, I think cons are an interesting experience all the time. I mean, like, we, my friends and I were in this one hotel, and, like, I grew up in not such a great area. <laughs> um, it wasn't the worst, but it, like, wasn't the best either. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. somewhere between super low income and then, like, um, what do you, suburbs, like, in the middle of that, right? Um, and so I was used to a lot, and so we went to stay at this hotel in LA, and, like, one of our friends was just kind of, like, really freaking out, and my other friend and I were just kind of like, yeah, it's whatever, like, there's no bed bugs, so we good, although we did fucking see a cockroach, but we flushed it down the toilet, it was fine. Um. (laughs) Sometimes they just happen, even in the cleanest of hotels. Yeah, and I know that L.A., because one of our friends um, had a cockroach problem, and, like, they just are there, and, like, her house was super clean, so, like... Yeah, like, I've gotten just, cockroaches like, a couple times. They just live here. It's it's the middle of the city, like, yeah, you know, and spray for them, and they go away. So, we were staying in this hotel, and then we got up to go and get in our car, and, like, it was weird because the doors were locked, so we didn't think about it. And then we get into the car, and all of our stuff has just been, like... Luckily, a lot of our stuff was in the hotel, you know? But everything else that was in there... I'm gonna say my friend's car isn't the most clean car. I'm sorry, I love you. But their <laughs> their car is just filled with, like, stuff, right? And it's all over the place. And every single piece of paper has just, like, been rifled through or whatever. Um, and it's clear that someone broke into the car and then was like shit these people don't have anything and then closed the car and like locked it on the way out <laughs> and, like there were two there were two really funny things too is that there was like a um there was like an mp3 player converter like tape to mp3 converter thing that they didn't even bother stealing and um we're like, I don't know if they just went through all of this stuff and were like, shit, this, these people are poor, or if they found this. And so my friend lived in, like, a Seventh-day Adventist area, and so, you know, like, anti-abortion stuff is there a lot. There's a lot of religious communities, um, and they passed out these fetuses that are, like, super realistic, right, to make people feel bad about stuff. Um, <laughs> do you like my, do you? Like, to make people feel bad about stuff. And so they pass out these horrific, super realistic fetuses that, like, are gummy. Like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, not chewable, not edible gummy, but, like, they're, like, a gummy material. And she's like, or they found this. Because it was just, like, sitting on the dashboard after, like, it had been shoved somewhere that they, like, someone handed it to them and they just shoved it in their car. But, like, it was sitting on the dashboard afterwards. Or, like, maybe it was a combination of <laughs> But, yeah, I thought that was super fucking funny, because the, the whole time we were like, eh, it's not that bad, and then someone broke into our car, and we were like, oh, yes, L.A. conventions. <laughs> well, this wasn't this wasn't in L.A. proper, it was in Ontario, which, yeah. and, like, from what I could tell, this was, like, not exactly a bad part of town. It wasn't, 
it kind of reminded me of Salt Lake City, actually. <laughs> but more, you can buy booze in fucking Target out of state. You, I, it blows me away. <laughs> like, oh right, I forgot <laughs> about that. I, I was like, I was telling my mom that the other day. I was like, you know. Kay lives in a faraway land of Utah, and <laughs> she said that you can't just go to, like, Target and buy wine or, like, hard liquor. There's places to get it, but, like, not there. You have to go to state-run liquor stores, and they're only open until, like, 7 p.m., except for the one in downtown Salt Lake, which is open until 10 p.m., but you must never go there, Simba. <laughs> <laughs> Also, they're closed on Sundays, so fuck you if you need booze on a Sunday. I have a question. Do you have um, the gas station by where my friend lived, which is a different kind of religious community, but a religious community was closed on Sundays. I'm like, guess you're just fucked. Can you um, you get get it at grocery stores or just the... You can get beer. At grocery stores. But you can't, like, go pick up Bacardi from, like... No, absolutely not. Only liquor stores. (laughs) This man bought an unreasonable amount of peach vodka last time I was at Safeway. And the lady was like, I don't even think we, like, sell a bottle that big. But then the other employee came back with it. She's like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. The Wild West that you live in. (laughs) <laughs> the Wild West that you live in. <laughs> <laughs> ah, shit, you right. <laughs> Yeehaw, motherfucker. It's, I, wish, I wish it was like that here. It's really convenient. Oh. Like, we're just, we went to Target and we got some water bottles and a bottle of rum. Yeah. But, God, I can't imagine living that life. With the, it's really I'm, annoying. Like, yeah. <laughs> you kind of have to stockpile. You have to, like, plan in advance for stuff like New Year's or whatever. If you're going to have a party with booze, because you don't want to go on New Year's Eve, because that's a bad time. But I'm still fucking crying over it. You must never go there. (laughs) It's like, it's so fucking sketchy. And like, (laughs) people drive drunk to that liquor store and then buy booze and then get caught by the police driving drunk out of the liquor store. And so there's always cops in that parking lot. There's a lot of theft, so there's cops in the parking lot for that, too. And it's a tiny little parking lot, so that once there's one cop in there blocking up, like, four slip dolls, it's just like, all right, goodbye. So I just go to a different liquor store that's farther away. (laughs) But it closes earlier, so that kind of sucks. And none of them are open on Sundays. Wow. You should should fucking just see me right now. I'm like, (laughs) this world that we live in, I've taken liquor in stores for granted for so long. (laughs) Oh. Yep. Um, I don't. I don't think they sell booze at the actual convention center, but definitely people were drinking. <laughs> I oh, was absolutely. drinking. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I. My somebody left whiskey at my friend's table as like an offering. They're like, yeah. No, I remember you talking about that. Yeah. And like, and they were like I, it tastes like Christmas. Yeah, the whiskey that tastes like Christmas. But yeah, my I've people were fucking drinking left and right. And then there's me who was like not drinking alcohol, but also didn't want to pay four dollars and thirty cents for a can of warm Pepsi. So I just brought my own. I just like when the, the dick butt guy came to <laughs> ALA. The dick butt the dick guy, butt commission guy. I yeah. love him. 
I don't, he must yeah, just he, be rolling in fucking money because he just goes around to every like artist table and asks them if they want to draw a dick butt and then hands you five dollars and that's it. That's like the whole thing. And like I the, um, have drawn so the artist many dick that butts. gave me the Hawks and Dobby ribbons um, tweeted about him. So I she got really excited about my Azra cosplay and like tweeted it out at the developers. And her and all of her artist friends were saying really nice things about it. And I started following her because her art was also really nice. Um, but um, so after that, I saw that she's like, the dick butt guy came to my table. And so I gave this commission <laughs> to my mom, who's also here. And so her mom drew dick butt for the dick butt guy. And like, <laughs> and so then, I, of course, I told all my friends about that story. And they're just like, but why? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he has a binder <laughs> full of past dick butts, too. <laughs> I I drew a Loki themed one because I was Loki the day he came up to ask me if I would draw a dick butt for him and I was like absolutely like he comes up and he's wearing a dick butt that's made out of beads as a button on a shirt you know and he's wearing like a blazer too like a velvet blazer and he's um he's like do you know about dick butts and I'm like you're the dick butt guy and he's like I am the dick butt guy <laughs> He has like he has like a posse too that like goes around. <laughs> He's a wild, That's so wholesome. It is wholesome. <laughs> and I was like, um, he's like, so you know about dick butts? And I'm like, absolutely. Are you here to commission a dick butt? And he's like, yes, I am. And I was like, thank God. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> oh, what a good, what a good story, Mark. <laughs> Um, I, we got a little off track, but yeah, I guess that's my salt. Um, an, anime Los Angeles, it's a good time. Uh, the, uh, oh, the one last thing is that the, um, we went to watch closing ceremonies and the, one of the hosts, uh, his name was Ezra Weiss. This was one, so during the cosplay contest, it was Ezra Weiss and another guy whose name I unfortunately don't remember hosting it. And like... <laughs> my friend was like, these guys have serious, like, Nintendogs announcers energy. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> and just, like, started losing it. And Ezra Weiss was, like, so pumped and just so excited. And, like, at one point he, like, screamed something into the microphone and, like, his eyes got really wide. And my friend's just like, I think he just nutted. And I just lost my shit. <laughs> Like the announcers the, at Sack Anime that just straight up sounded like the 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 like narrator guys, the like the arena dudes from Dragon Ball Z, the arena <laughs> announcers. <laughs> um, but anyway, on the at the closing ceremonies, Ezra Weiss was like, Okay, so next year it's gonna be on these dates, so plan ahead and hopefully next time we won't have any fires. <laughs> less arson please and we're just like oh my god and then i got home and i got a discord message because i um i commissioned a cosplayer for uh i bought some like materials from her from for a songbird attire costume that i'm gonna work on soon and i i ordered these back in like november but she's been really busy and so i've just you know we've been kind of been in contact and she messaged me yesterday on discord not yesterday monday on discord and was like hey like these are almost done and I'll be able to send them out soon. Like, sorry about the delay. And I was like, no worries. It's fine. I'm back from LA now. You know, now the packs won't be just like sitting on my porch. Um, and she's like, okay, that's great. Um, 
thanks for your patience. And I hope you had a good time at ALA in spite of all the parking lot chaos. And I'm like, we don't even know each other. <laughs> Just... We don't even know each other. <laughs> I was those... like, yeah, that was intense. I wasn't inf- affected at all. I slept through the whole thing, but. <laughs> I'm one of those people who's like, I don't know, who's like that too, where I say things and then I'm like, I don't know this person, but I hope they're okay. And then I think about <laughs> people like you sitting on the other end being like, I don't know this person. <laughs> it was just really funny um, that like the story kind of got so far flung and then people that I don't know or barely know were asking me about it and because they knew I was at the con. You were there just... at Crown Zero. <laughs> they played us like a... like a damn fiddle, okay? It was more like at Ground One because I wasn't even at the hotel where the fire was happening. <laughs> I was like, I was I was at the Holiday Inn and then there was the Ontario Convention Center and then on the other side of that was the hotel where the fire was. Oh my god. But... Jake, hey, can you do me a favor? Uh, Jake's editing this, right? You know yeah. Holiday Inn by, like, Chingy, Changy, God. At the no, Holiday ho- Inn. What's what you doing? Chilling at the Holiday Inn. Me and my peeps, aren't you bring four of your friends? Feel on each other and step on some hands. One thing Holiday, Holiday Inn by Pitbull. <laughs> like edit that in like just for a second like as as long as we can where we won't get sued <laughs> thanks oh, he's like he's like i'm fucking away for 10 seconds and jesse's just getting so goddamn demanding becoming a fucking diva on our show <laughs> snake answer me snake anyway that's my salt. I um I have salt, but we're part of it's getting held over to next week. But if you think that we're not going to talk about Ubisoft, you've got another thing coming. We just have two special guests who are also going to yell about it. Yeah. So we so all want to yell together. Like I didn't know anything about this. Um. So I get a message from Jesse that's like, "Hey, uh, these people want to come on the podcast to talk about the Assassin's Creed DLC," and I'm like. Well, that's good, because I won't have anything to say about it, because I don't know what's going on. And then I googled Assassin's Creed Odyssey DLC, and I was like, mm, I just, like, breathed in deeply, and I'm like, okay, I just googled it. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Big mad. Big mad in the house. And I I just, oh, it's just one of those things where it's like, how dare, all I'll say about it right now is, like, get the goddamn nerve and the gall to market your game on something and then turn around and be like, no, thank you. Like, there are games that I play and I'm like, I don't expect... And here's the thing, people will be like, oh, well, they made some... They made some... Sorry, I walked away from my mic for a second, Jake. Um, they they made some steps forward and I'm like, right, but they market their game on this whole fucking thing and then they're gonna turn around and, like, go back on that they made in, one step forward and two steps back. Yeah. And in my opinion, that's worse. Because it's like, it's like the ultimate form of gay baiting. But we had so much gay baiting that it's like, so at this point, people have probably had like 150 plus hours of being gay baited, which is a time, um, which is a long time to be gay baited, to be honest. Uh, but yeah, so that's unfortunate. But we'll talk more about that later. I don't know why I had any trust um, I, I compared foolish. it. 
um, to Beyond Two Souls because I just sometimes my David Cage hatred just comes flying out of me at random moments. Um, but there's a character in Beyond Two Souls named Ryan that the game just forces on you at every opportunity. Like, I spent the entire game aggressively rejecting him, but I was still forced to go on a date with him in, in um, uh, Jody's apartment, and which I fucked up as Aiden, because I was like, no, not going to happen. Um, and then even if you choose to die and go into the beyond to be with Aiden at the end of the game, she still pines after Ryan. And I was like, I've been just aggressively avoiding him this entire game and yet somehow so that's kind of what it made me think of reading about this yeah they're like your choices matter but they don't they don't fucking matter they're like welcome to the illusion of choice which is the power play you know when you start talking about positions of power one of the things you're going to talk about is the illusion of choice like when someone says do you want mcdonald's or jack-in-the-box now you think you have a choice but do you really? Because you've already been handed McDonald's or Jack in the Box. A decision has already been made for you before you even get to make a decision. Think about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm so fucking weird. Um, I've been watching way too much Metal Gear. Uh, I, I mean, I don't have very much salt. Other, there's a lot of questionable stuff. Um, that I'm thinking about right now. Some of it has to do with, uh, JK again, but, like, how much do I even really want to talk about JK? Um. <laughs> yeah, for like, real. Yeah, like, oh. We already talked about the Grimes of Grindelwald. Yeah, and, like, I'm not surprised. People are like, oh, her hand slipped and she liked these. That is a legit thing her people said, by the way. Um, Her hand slipped because she's old and confused. And that's why she liked these turf tweets. And I'm like. She's not even old. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, oh, boy. And they're like, some people are like, it happened years ago. But then recently it happened again. And it's like, mm, it. there's like this. That goes back to that meme of, like, people who were progressive in the 90s who are, like, no longer progressive because they refuse to progress past that point. And, like, I, there's just a brand of feminism that I, that I have big beef with. Um, part of that is second wave feminism. But, like, it's, 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 it's part of, like, what spawned turf culture and i hate it and it's the same people who are like also bad at intersectional feminism so they're like ah uh, yes like white women like addressing intersectional issues will somehow take away from like women's issues and i'm like listen there are women who aren't white like <laughs> Like, elevating one group above others doesn't help anybody. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that, there's a certain age group of feminism. And I'm not saying all people of this age group are like this. Clearly not. But a lot of women of a certain age group um, of feminism have that. It's like, it's not even like aggressively turf behavior. But you know, like when someone says stuff that's just like, like you're like on you're like you are on the edge of glory and being transphobic right now you know what i'm saying and like she has that feeling to me of like 
women who are of a certain age, like cis women who are like feminist, but feminist in a way that's not very inclusionary. And it is unfortunate. Um, so I also like how her hand slipped once, but then the people are like, but what about these other three times? Um, yeah, that's a thing that happens. I, I'm not gonna say, like, I'm not gonna say that I haven't liked a tweet and then found out something about the person who tweeted it and unliked it, because that's happened. Like, I, who was I talking to the other, I, did we talk about that when Brian was on the show, about, like, looking in through people's accounts sometimes before liking tweets, because you're like, I yeah. like this tweet, but is this person a Nazi? <laughs> and yeah. Then, yeah, and sometimes I do that because I'll see fan art, and I'm, and just the other day I saw some fan art, and I was like, oh, this, this art's good, and then I clicked on the on the the twitter there was just incest and i was like um never mind you know what this art isn't that good actually and like I, i'm like i'm glad i didn't like that so that came up on my th- but there there's a difference between that and like someone blatantly tweeting about bathroom laws and you liking it because like it blatantly says that you're worried that you know trans people and trans women in women's bathrooms are a danger like that's an entirely that's pretty clear to me your what your fucking opinion is you know what i'm saying um yeah but yeah that happened uh which spawned this hilarious conversation about like how the animorphs writer isn't a turf and how you should love animorphs um and also the animorphs writer has a trans daughter but like all i can think about with animorphs is furry origin stories and so <laughs> i told my friend that i i is like i tell my um friend that like i was like i told one of my friends once that uh animorphs or furry origin stories and she did not take to that very kindly um talking about you you know like <laughs> a vague posting about Kay. <laughs> i was like in cage like but i don't like she doesn't know who you are so i'm just like like uh did not take to that very kindly and she's like no wait a minute jesse absolutely not and so she also got mad at me and i'm like listen it was like that meme of like them throwing the chair you know what meme i'm talking about when he's like pointing it was in that moment that they knew they fucked up i'm like listen she's like those i have fond memories of those books i'm like you can have fond memories of those books and furries can love them too like it can be both like i know so many fucking furries who are just like yeah the animorphs man and still to this day talk about animorphs like i'm not saying that all animorph book lovers who read them as a kid and enjoyed them are furries but what i am saying is that almost every fucking furry liked animorphs that's all i'm saying like at least you know furries that grew up i don't in really that sold animorphs i don't really talk about animorphs that much but every now and again something reminds me of animorphs uh like re- re- most recently it was because ka applegate was on my twitter timeline again because people were like we don't deserve this writer and I just, it's just like getting slapped in the face. <laughs> like, yeah. ah, nostalgia. Animorphs. Yeah, Animorphs. my my friends straight up yelled at me. They're like, those are quality fucking novels. And I'm like, oh my god, I did not know that I was just like kicking a hornet's nest when I fucking was like, Animorphs are furry origin stories. I did not realize this was such a spicy take. Like, <laughs> damn. 
Um, but yeah, and spicy was... hot takes is K.A. Applegate responding to people being mad about the unhappy ending. Be like, oh, I'm sorry that you don't like that a war ended unhappily. Wow, imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> God, there. You know, there are things that like I. I was just thinking about this, about, um, like, entitlement culture and whatnot and the difference between... Because I was thinking about it especially with um, the recent... Um, the the ass creed thing that we're going to talk about another day. But, like, there was a moment where I'm like, am I entitled or is this an issue? And, like, I think, to me, the separation is you marketed it on this thing and then pulled the rug out from underneath it. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you tell me that this is what I'm going to receive and then take that away from me, I feel like it's okay to be upset. If I paid oh. to go see, um, um, to go see a Lego movie, to go see the Lego movie, right? And instead, they make me watch My Little Pony, I feel like it's my right to be upset. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, I don't think even being upset about something that doesn't matter is really entitlement necessarily the line gets crossed with like how your anger presents itself because it's just yeah. like you know, if you're like what the fuck this is bullshit but that's it or but like if it's like what the fuck this is bullshit and also you should go out of your way to like accommodate me and change it that's a little bit yeah like if you're complaining about um i don't know say the ending of mass effect <laughs> like yeah. and you're like yeah this ending was kind of garbage and i did not enjoy it that's not entitlement entitlement was when people were demanding that they like rewrote the game yeah. and like like things for me like i did not enjoy the last jedi but i yeah. would not i was not gonna call somebody i wasn't gonna harass people on the internet to remake the movie i'm like first of all movies cost a butt ton of money like you're entitled to your opinion yeah but Just don't like, be a dick about it exactly and that's the difference to me i think is that like People should be held responsible for their actions, but, like, I just, but also, you, if someone made something, you can't, like, demand them necessarily to change it. But then the other thing is, is, like, I can also choose not to experience it as well. You of know course. what I'm saying? Like, yes. and that's the other thing that I've decided is, like, in my life, I can just be like, well, I won't be doing that again. And, like, for me, after the Ubisoft thing, I did not buy an Ubisoft game for a really fucking long time after the, like, women are too hard to animate debacle. Um, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you know what the worst part of that whole debacle was? Yeah. So they had already animated a woman. Yeah. Because they had Assassin's Creed Liberation. It's like, yeah. bruh. <laughs> bruh. Um, no, it was a lazy ass excuse. And so I was just like, well, I'll probably never buy an ass Creed again. A game again and then they're like you know what you you can be a lesbian and i was like fuck right and i'm sweating and my palms are sweaty mom's spaghetti and, <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like okay well maybe they learned a lesson you know because also like i was like call out i made a post about how call out culture only works if you allow people to then learn a lesson and change you know what i'm saying like yeah sometimes people are bitches about it and then i'm still mad uh, Scarlet, um, but like mostly people learn a lesson and like 
you know, they, like, move on and they change as a person. Like, is that, that's what we all hope for. Like, that's what I hope for when my friends call me out for something and I go, you know what, you're right, that was shitty. And I should think about not doing that in the future and then decide not to do it. You know what I'm saying? So I was, I was like, maybe they've learned a lesson, you know? Maybe this is them being like, we apologize. But no, no. (laughs) They spit in my face twice. Fool me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame (laughs) on me and my lesbian love. Um, Yeah, I mean, like, part of me is like, I shouldn't have trusted them because there is no um, ethical consumption under capitalism, but what can you do? Or alternatively, the only ethical consumption under capitalism is eating ass, um, <laughs> which is one of my favorites. But yeah, um, that that's one thing I've been thinking about recently. And I was thinking about talking about on this podcast was just like entitlement versus like when a company really does you wrong and you gotta be able to say some, like, I think it's within my rights to be like, hey, fuck you. <laughs> it's, which I think is different than being like, they have to do this, or they should do this. Like, yeah, I don't expect Ubisoft to do anything. And I just don't have to purchase from them again. That's Yeah, just you don't it. have to purchase the DLC. Yeah, and I don't have to give them my American dollars. So, or any of country's dollars for that matter. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I don't have much salt this week except for also that Metal Gear. I always have Metal Gear salt. God, I, <laughs> I'm that fucking Sasuke meme, but it's like Hideo Kojima. Um, <laughs> and like people, here's another thing. People are going to be like, Jesse, why do you watch it? Like, why do you enjoy it if like you also hate it? And I'm like, listen, some people just have things like this, okay? We just do. We just... I was... I mean, you like parts of these games, too, for sure. Like, Oh, absolutely. Like, there are some characters that I just really like. <laughs> just... Oh, also, based on the conversation that we had before the podcast, I'm going to put up, like, a blanket spoiler warning for MGS5 here. <laughs> just in case. Oh, yeah. I mean, so... I... For me, Metal Gear Solid Five wasn't, like... Uh, because I didn't, I think, here. here's what I'll preface this with before people are like, Jesse, um, I did not play the games, as you know, and I also did not play them as they came out. Like, someone was talking, someone made this funny tweet about nine-year-old me when Psycho Mantis told, the, told me to put the controller on the floor, um, and it was like the sh- that Pikachu face. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, I didn't play the games like that as they came out. I watched all the cutscenes jammed together into movies, essentially, um, and then went through all the extra content and stuff. So for me, it was a very different experience, which is probably also why, like, I immediately, like, got sucked in so hard, too, because I didn't have to play in between. Um, but for me, Metal Gear Solid Five, I guess, like, one of the biggest complaints that, like, I hear is that it doesn't feel like a Metal Gear game. Um, I... There are some parts that are just so fucking Metal Gear, though, that, like, I can't yeah. imagine them happening in other any other game. I, there, I, I mean, think... So, I'm one of the people that says that. Um, and yeah. par- the mainly what I mean by that is kind of, like, the story presentation doesn't really feel like Metal Gear. Um, the gameplay, I, I guess, is kind of, like, a logical evolution of the genre. So, I don't really have an issue with that, but I'm thinking, like... The way that they replaced codec calls with the um, radio tapes 
means that you can just miss a lot of really important information. Um, the we talked about the cutscene where um, what is his name? Skullface. Skullface. Um, where Skullface details his plan and Snake just sits there and doesn't say anything. In a fucking is truck. Very strange. Yeah, it's it's really strange, and it's like, and it, it kind of makes the scene a little hilarious, which was maybe on purpose, because, like, he just sits there, he starts doing his idle animation, which makes him look bored, and then at the end, Skullface seems to get uncomfortable with his silence and turns on the radio for, t- for five minutes. It's like, it's just really strange, um... So and, I guess uh, that's kind of what I mean. And Jeremy like, Greer filed a complaint about that one scene specifically, which I think is fucking hilarious. What I, scene? That scene specifically. He was like, oh. I don't know anything about Metal Gear, but I know I was forced to watch a skull-faced man in the back of a Jeep talk for 45 minutes. <laughs> well, Jeremy, that's how all of those games are, to be honest. It's just that usually that there there's a little bit of interaction from the player character. Like, that's... It's just such a weird thing because Snake doesn't fucking say anything. Like yeah, in the other games, he would have been like, words. would have been like, uh, you know, repeating half of Skullface's words back to him every yeah. every now and First again. First floor basement. Second First floor, floor basement. <laughs> Metal Gear. Metal Gear. I kind a of woman. <laughs> kind of wish that um, Kiefer Sutherland would have had to say Sahelanthropus in a incredulous voice because <laughs> I just didn't know what that would sound like. I can barely pronounce Sahelanthropus. I want to know how long it took um, um, Huey's voice actor to say it properly, because I bet there's a million outtakes of him being like, fuck! (laughs) 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 How do you say that word? It's so wild. And I immediately was, like, talking to Kay, and I'm, like, pointing out all the holes in his plan like immediate he's like five minutes into his evil plan and i'm like i've i there are like five holes in this plan already and Kay is like jesse i don't think he thought very hard about this plan and i'm like you know what you right Kay. it's either that or he's using the the plan as a front for just like i just want to take all of you fuckers down with me yeah um so which is also much, like fair yeah it's very <laughs> much like i've talked about this before but like kojima thinks he's real fucking smart and Sometimes it really shows in his writing, because I think some of his simplest plots are his best plots. Yeah, Um, like MGS3. Yes. I think that was one of his strongest games. And and not to say that he shouldn't get creative or anything, or that any creator shouldn't get creative, but I think he twists himself in these awful knots, trying to be so fucking clever. And it just takes a lot of the, like, heart out of his stories. Um, And... I, I have a lot of issues with how he treats female characters to begin with, but I also I, I just... I feel like it really came to a head in this game. Yeah, with fucking paws. And I just... That... And quiet. Quiet is one of those things that haunts me. Like, um, like the whole thing about how anybody who reads DC Comics... You probably know that, like, Starfire, their justification for her being in a bikini all the time with her titties out is that um, she gets her power from the sun. Well, you know who fucking else gets his power from the Earth's sun? Fucking Superman. Why isn't his dick out in a banana hammock? (laughs) I'm just fucking saying, like... I, it's that bullshit, you know what I'm saying, that just bothers me. It's like, d- no, this is just bad writing. This is you writing around the fact that you want this character to have their titties out. And, like, and it wouldn't, it wouldn't, like, okay. So, um, a good comparison for this is actually Nier Automata. Because people were like, why is 2P dressed like that? And the 
the um, game designer was just like, I thought it would be hot, and I want people to cosplay her. And it's like, I admire your honesty, even if it's a little bit creepy. If yeah. if Kojima had been honest, and that he just thought it would be sexy, it would have been creepy, but we all would have been like, okay. But instead he was a huge dick about it to people that were like, I don't enjoy this. <laughs> he was basically like, when I die, then you will realize. <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically. <laughs> And then it, you get to the part where it's like, where he's like, you'll see, and like, I saw, and it actually, I have Stupid. further questions, because <laughs> if she gets her her life force from the air and the sun and the water, why is she, has she completely covered up her legs and one of her arms? Why isn't she just yeah. wearing, like, a pair of shorts that would expose more of her skin to the, she could be wearing a fucking maxi dress, and it yeah. would expose more of her skin to the air, like... Or like like you like you said, and I I think I um I because you said I couldn't get out of my mind, so I redrew it. But like basically, a sports bra and some booty shorts would have done the same thing and been more effective for her, like more practical. Because um, anyone who's ever tried to run without a bra on that has chest bumps, you know that like it's not the best. And also, I just don't like the idea of like having to. I'm just talking from personal experience, but the first time I ever put on a sports bra that actually fit me and fit well, I felt like I was fucking Wonder Woman, I'm gonna be honest. I felt like I could bounce bullets off my titties. That's how fucking (laughs) secure I felt. I was like, this is it. I am so fucking ripped right now. I am so strong. I could take on the world. And I would jump up and down, and there wasn't pain, and I was like, this is a great time. And like... I will give her credit for one thing, which is that she's wearing sensible shoes. Yeah. (laughs) I, I just, I do think that, like, booty shorts and a sports bra would have been fine. And Some then knee maybe... Pads. Knee pads. Yeah, like, those ones that, um... Because I don't want them to chafe the back of her knees, so I think those ones that, like, uh... That have the soft back that volleyball players wear would be efficient. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so, there. We just designed a whole fucking outfit for you, Kojima. Bam, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Um, Jake, Jake said that he saved up his, like base points or whatever they are to get her clothes like immediately and like same dude because <laughs> you can get her in like um f- military fatigues and i don't hate her as a character that's the other thing like there's a lot about her writing that i'm like uh, but i i enjoy like i think a lot of that has to do with that like mocap actress and stuff but like yeah her sticking her ass in the camera is super awkward yeah but like i think that like I like the idea of a lot of her motives, and I also like how one of the things she does because she cannot talk is that she talks through her actions and just does stuff. And, like, sometimes people are like, what the fuck is she doing? And then she does it, and you're like, oh, that makes sense. And later it comes around. And that's an interesting writing point. But, like, there's also something fucking terrifying about having a female character who literally cannot talk. And not because Mm -hmm. something, like, happened to her throat or whatever, but because of some fucking bullshit. That we then find out later, and, like, I guess you could argue that it's because something happened to her throat. Like, she has the virus, but... I just fucking hate this fucking... I hate that whole plot point. I... When I was... I was just like, what kind of... Then you get to the fucking reveal. Here's the insert spoiler alert of the fact that it was actually the medic the whole time who's been... had a face transplant. 
And uh, that's absolutely not what it's called. Plastic surgery. <laughs> and Face transplants are a thing, but it's a different thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, like, to, to fucking be Big Boss, this is double, body double, and, like, lost his memories. But Big Boss was also in the room the whole time. You're talking to yourself, buddy. I hate it. I hate it so goddamn much. And I... Um, but I will say I do appreciate that Ocelot, while, um, while Big Boss was unconscious, was like, you know what, he needs, like, a million fucking flowers. (laughs) (laughs) I I assume it was him. (laughs) Yeah. Who else would it have been? Who else would it have been? (laughs) I mean, like, I feel like Eva is worried about him, too, but Eva wouldn't have sent a million flowers. That's more like, Eva sends a motorcycle. (laughs) Eva sends like motorcycle Ocelot's like oh my my love is unconscious for nine years have like a billion flowers I also have some questions about like the timeline so it's kind of confusing because some of it is some of it is told to us in Metal Gear Solid 4 um with Eva backsplaining the what happened between um Snake Eater through, um... Portable Ops. Yeah. And then, like, we have Peace Walker that will tell you, like, that whole story. I have a lot of issues with Peace Walker, too. And then (laughs) you have, um, five. It's just hard for me to keep track of everybody during this time. I think mostly Kojima's hoping you forgot about it. Um... Because honestly, the backsplaining in here's another. If you thought the sitting in the truck was boring, let's sit in a church and have them retell you the events of um, Snake Eater and then everything that happened up until this point. But it's just Eva talking and pacing back and forth in a church. That happened. or if that's a long cutscene too, or it's like so goddamn long. The um, so they my my guess would be that the tape decision came about so that like people can still keep playing theoretically instead of having to sit perfectly still and watch these lengthy barely animated cutscenes of these codec (laughs) conversations but practically you're gonna be sitting still while you're listening to the tapes anyway because the slightest sound causes the audio to duck so low you can't hear them so it's all nothing i went to a a deserted corner of the of mother base and just listened to all of them in a row for hours so yeah there are and there's a lot of fucking important ass information on those tapes too i know i know you just said you don't really care for the whole word virus thing uh but there's a really cool one where skullface is threatening code talker and saying like uh every time you resist i'm going to ring this bell and a man outside the door is going to implant one of your people with the with the virus and so Kotaku starts to speak and he just rings this tiny little bell and it's the most sinister sounding thing in the world um it's it's like a really well done it's it's all audio only i don't know they did like a really good job on some of these and it sucks that you can miss half of them if yeah, you just don't like- listen to them there's also, like, important character stuff on them. I don't know. I think... And and just, like, understanding some of these people talking and talking about their experiences. The Strange Love one was really hard for me to listen to. Yeah, that one was rough. 
Oh god, because she's like dying in the stupid like pod thing. Straight fucking ho 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 Huey Emmerich. Fucking worst. It's the fucking worst. They should have killed him. They should have killed him in that fucking room. I oof. I don't know whose decision to fucking put him off on a boat was, but venom snakes. <laughs> he's like everybody. Everybody else is looking at him like we should just kill him, and he's like no, no. He <laughs> no. has to go exist to. Fuck up his son in yeah. Metal Gear Solid 2. <laughs> I, oof, I was so fucking angry. Like, I, the, there was the torture scene, and so usually I hate torture scenes, just preface to that. I'll, like, fast forward through them in the movies. You're but, just you like, know, break his leg. Break his leg! You know, with fucking Ocelot's got the stuff that, like, melts the material his legs are made out of, and he keeps dropping it places. I'm like, drop it in his face! Oh, <laughs> uh, he's such a, he's like, just tailor-made to be as frustrating as possible, like, oh, nothing happened, and if it did happen, it wasn't that big of a deal, and, like, it wasn't that fault, and if it was my fault, my fault, like, it's not that big of a deal, and if it it was a big deal, well, then that's your fault, and it's just, oh. Oh, God. Okay, okay, the fucking dope-ass scene, I love this scene, where, um, Skullface gets crushed under that big-ass thing, right? Yeah. Kaz shows up, and they do that thing, because Kaz can't really, like, stand up straight, because he's, like, he's missing a leg and an arm and he has that whole speech about how he's not going to use prosthetics until he's dealt with this phantom pain. he wants to feel the phantom pain and roll credits um and <laughs> so like you know venom snake's supporting him so that he can shoot off the arm and leg that he lost because of skull face or whatever and it's such a powerful fucking scene like it's fucked up but it's it's a good scene it's well done you know like it's well handled and then fucking huey like comes around and they like when skullface is like kill me and they just walk away because they want him to die slowly in pain and then huey just comes up behind them and shoots him in the head and i'm and i forgot about that and he's like i killed him and kaz and fucking venom snake turn around and like kaz's face and like you can't see his eyes because he's got his stupid sunglasses on but like this the fury that goes through every single pixel in his body <laughs> i i was so mad because it's such a beautiful beautiful in like a gross way too but like you know what is the word that the people use like sublime sublime yeah yeah it's such a sublime scene and then fucking huey ruins it and i hate it and i was like I fucking, Kaz had been waiting for so, Kaz fucking lost it. There's a lot of people in that series that need to go to therapy because they have PTSD really fucking bad and they're dealing with it by just getting bigger and bigger weapons. (laughs) But like, and that's the plot of Metal Gear. (laughs) Well, I guess until, until Solid Snake, because Solid Snake has PTSD, but then he turns around and he's like, what if we just got rid of all of them? And Otacon's like, you know, my dad was a real dick, so I feel like I should do this for the world, since my the world had to deal with my father. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, that's fair, bro. Uh, but yeah, no, that fucking Huey's the fucking goddamn worst. And I, there's a lot of questionable decisions that I could go into, like, I could write, I could honestly write an essay about Metal Gear and psychology, but like, one of the things that's super interesting to me is like how he 
how there's like this really long anti-war message in Metal Gear. Um, and interestingly, a message about kids playing war in video games in a game where you're playing war in a video game. Yeah. But the way he treats the outside of Otacon, who I think gets the best treatment of any of the scientist people and maybe Naomi. Although Naomi has that thing of like, she betrayed snake because she's a woman, but that's a whole other story. But she makes up for it, I guess. And Metal Gear Solid 4. Um, but like, a lot of the scientists are treated like the villains often or like the incompetent ones and the like the politicians as well but like the soldiers are like glorified a lot in like they're doing these things for these reasons and they're out there dying while the scientists and i think this is best exemplified in huey that like he creates these things for people to use that cause destruction, but he doesn't know anything of the destruction he's creating, which is an interesting dynamic to have in a, like, it's it's not anti-soldier, but it's anti-war, but it's also anti-academia, but then at the same time, Kojima is, like, super into academia, so now I'm fucking confused, <laughs> and I have weird feelings, and I only can think about that Tumblr post that you sent me about how, like... They're misinterpreting Imagine the hardest. <laughs> yes. Goddamn. Um, but, yeah, fiddle- finishing Metal Gear Solid Five did not make me feel good um, we i mean i i promised a discussion about pause on the podcast as well and that was one of my biggest issues with the game was and this extends to um ground zeros as well since the whole thing is you rescuing pause and there's that really gross tape that you can find in ground zeros that i kind of just remembered is this with the Chico. Rape one yeah yeah and it's just Oof. And her entire involvement in in the Phantom Pain is just to further Venom's man pain. Like, she's she's literally just a ghost. And I... Mm, oh, I have a I lot think, of beef. I think and it, it's carried over from, like... Her character in Peace Walker was so bizarre that I can't even, like, really remember. Like, she's introduced as, like, a character... A young girl who, um, like is is who loves peace and wants to like create peace but then later it turns out that she hates peace she hates that fucking name and it's not her name and that she's actually not even from this country she's like kgb and there's this whole backstory and it's just wild and then you get to ground zeros and like the thing about the small child the little boy chico and then like um and pause was so gross to me that i was like you know that moment of who the fuck, like, there's, I have, I, this is my other thing about censoring stuff, about, like, how, like, just because somebody wrote something doesn't mean they're a monster, but, like, also, like, the fucked up shit that happens with Chico and Paws makes me so goddamn angry that I cannot speak, like, <laughs> and then, you have the whole rape tape thing, and then she fucking explodes, which I had to fucking experience. And then in in the the weird ghost experience with Paws in Phantom Pain, there's this gross scene 
I think we were talking about this before the podcast. That's it was so gross to me the where she digs out the bomb from her like she has that V shaped scar on her it, stomach. I mean, even the surgical scene in in Ground Zeroes felt a little like almost ex- borderline exploitative to me. Like it's just yes. so gruesome. You can see Chico like holding her intestines in. It's I understand the need, like the desire for realism in these situations, but it was just. It was just too much, in my opinion. And then to add to that scene in The Phantom Pain with the shot of um, the medic, like, getting ready for, a, like, a vaginal exam is just the most vile scene in the whole game. And what you're I... saying with her digging it out of her skin is just, it's just really, really gruesome in a way that I'm not about. I think one of the things I talked I've talked about before on this podcast, and um, as as someone who's super into art history, you're like Jesse. What does art history have to do with Metal Gear? I'm about to tell you. I, um, I know you're going somewhere with this. Yeah, I trust you. I just I just like <laughs> this solid snake voice. Art history, the history <laughs> of art. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. In in art history, we get to this period um, of abstract expressionism, but moving out of expressionism. And expressionism, you had German expressionism and then expressionism. And German expressionism was a um, a reaction to the World War. And so it was very gruesome. Um, another reaction, you get mixed reactions throughout time of like, like one reaction will be German expressionism another reaction to war will be Dadaism like there's this balance so then you move into like expressionism which then becomes kind of like abstract expressionism um where they became this whole thing and to be fair this carries over from like romantic um romantic art and then you get it a little bit with um Picasso in his like cubism um this idea of using women as a metaphor for nature, and it's not new. It's like it's in Greek history too. Um, if you want to read more about that, you should read about Artemis and the the secrets of women, which is a wild, a wild time. I'm like, what secrets? What secrets? It's your period <laughs> surprise. Um, <laughs> and and bears, yeah, periods and bears. Um, I'm like, Jesus. So you have this like whole idea of like using women as a metaphor for nature. And since like man wants to both conquer and cultivate nature and rise above it in like this sublime moment of fear and destruction, they, they becomes this time where they just start ripping apart women's bodies and maybe not like literally but like in the art that you're viewing you start realizing like you cubism is a perfect example like these women kind of become monsters like their figures become monstrous because they're moving stuff around and in um expressionism you get like women just like like their whole bodies being like erased or like part of it ripped off or like part of it painted over or like just parts of them moving around and at first glance you're just like oh this is just an interesting like um you know technique or style choice but when you really compare it to the like the the thought of the time you realize no this is deeply based in misogyny and how like the academic males viewed women and what women meant in terms of like both literal life for them as well as metaphorical life in terms of like 
nature and so on and so forth. So you have this whole like artistic ripping apart of women that for me, I felt very similarly with Paz's character um, in that her character, like I'm not saying he gets this from our history. I'm just making an, an analogy. The idea that like her character is this thing that he can beat the crap out of in order to conquer it. And in a lot of ways, like her character represents a lot of the bad writing things that exist throughout his game of women being betrayers of women having double motives of women, like, um, only wanting sex in a way that's very like almost animalistic versus like actually wanting to be with people. And there are exceptions to these character traits, but there aren't very many. And then you count, then you put that next to the character, like quiet, who's almost also treated like an animal. She even kind of, crawls around like an animal you know what I'm saying like there there are a lot of similarities to that particular time in art history's treatment of women and the treatment of women in Metal Gear and I think that I think Paz is like the ultimate victim of this particular treatment of women and as we've said like the whole tradition of women in refrigerators like this woman has to die so that Batman can feel sad which is bullshit. Um, and he is a nerd, so I don't doubt that, like, <laughs> there's a lot of that in his influences. Um, it's just it's just unfortunate. And, and like, all of this, uh, saying all of this, you could be like, then why did you even finish the games? Well, first of all, I was already there. Like, I was that far in. To be fair to me, up until Metal Gear Solid um, 3, like, Snake Eater had annoying misogyny, but it was like, bond level misogyny you know like ah yes she's she's the bond girl or whatever eva's the bond girl and the boss was a decently written character but then then i also take i also take issue with how the um those those beauty and the beasts are written in Metal Gear Oof, Solid yeah, 4. Yeah, I kind of forgot Oof, about them. And they're all women. Oh boy. You then you get them into the like model viewer or whatever and they start doing like J-pop poses and it's it's real weird. Like the the it, like you listen to their stories, right? Cuz they'll like go over the whole backstory of each character. Like you had that one who was like the laughing octopus. Her story was so goddamn fucked up. And then actually they all were. And then you had the one who was like the raven, like the screaming whole screaming raven. Screaming raven with the whole sky burial thing. Super the raging raven. Yeah. Super fucking fucked up, right? Oh. And I I feel like it's like it's such it's such a weird, like, in Metal Gear 1 and 2, there just aren't that many women in those games. You have Meryl, who's just a person. <laughs> like, there's the weird t- part where they talk about her low polygon butt, which is kind of hilarious. In the yeah, you're supposed to, like, stare at the guard's butts until you find one that kind of walks like a girl. Like, that's how you tell it's Meryl. <laughs> I was never able to notice it. I had to, like, um, just kind of guess. You're like, eh, you. Um, yeah, that was a weird part. And then you had in that game Sniper Wolf or whatever her name is. Yeah, Sniper Wolf. She, you know, 
was a character. I mean, her titties were out too, but they were low poly titties. I'm I'm just saying, like there, she was just a not in twin snakes. <laughs> yeah, twin snakes. Um, but like you know what I'm saying, like yeah, femme fatale action movie writing. You're like okay, whatever. And then Metal Gear Solid Two. Do I even remember the women in Metal Gear Emma. Solid Two? Emma, right. That's when it starts. And Rose. Emma was arguably weirder for me. Because <laughs> Rose, you don't know if, like, you don't know how much of that was her, like, the AI, and how much of that actually happened. Yeah. But with Emma, I was like, this is a small child. Actually, how old is and she supposed to be? She's, like, a teenager, I think. I And I know she's not actually related to Otacon by blood, but the whole thing about her being in love with him was weird. They're half-siblings, aren't they? Are they half-siblings? No, I think she's Yeah, I think they have the same father. Oh, maybe they do. I'm looking it up now. I don't remember. I thought she came with the mom. (laughs) She was 18 and two. Oh, right. She looked 12. Oh, no, she's she's his stepsister. Okay, I was wrong. Yeah. Um... That was weird. I mean, his mom did also sleep with him. Another weird thing is, like, the whole, like I said, treating women like predatory animals. It's another yep. thing that happens. Um, yep. Yeah. I mean, we're armchair diagnosing him right now, but I'm just saying, that and the P are two things <laughs> that haunt me in Metal Gear. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there are other writing decisions that are, like, good moments. And I, and like I said, Peace Walker was fine up until the point where he decided also after this anime ass ending, we're also going to have this thing with pause. And I was like, you know what? I felt a human emotion when that robot walked into the water. And now I feel another human emotion. It's called anger. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, but I mean, like one of the things that I also talk about with my friend who, um, super enjoys she loves james bond movies but she also has a hard relationship with them i think in the same way that like i have a hard relationship with these games and that there's something really there's there's like a unique quality about them and also they're just so fucking weird that at first you don't necessarily notice all the problems it's when you sit back afterwards and you're like wait a wait a fucking minute like what did i just except for pause pause was pretty obvious but like Especially with the, like I just said now, I was like, Metal Gear 2 wasn't that bad. And then I talk about Metal Gear 2 for like 10 seconds. I'm like, wait a minute. Um, (laughs) It's just, I mean, what are you going to do? I also think those games were super influential. But like I said, just because you're a genius doesn't mean you're not a jackass. I don't know. I'm still deep in the memes, though. I'm still in the city. Did you, have you watched uh, Revengeance yet? Because, who boy. I started, I'm halfway through Revengeance right now. I can't believe I didn't mention this. Um, I This game's not canon, right? Oh, no, it is. It's canon? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is going on over in this game? I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> People in the can- comments were like, this, good thing this game isn't canon. <laughs> but maybe they're just being sarcastic. I'm pretty sure it's canon. <laughs> what the fuck? What the? F- In my heart, it's canon. Regardless, In my heart, it's canon. I think also the the people you're talking to is so weird. So like, in in Metal Gear Solid One, like you're talking to the Colonel most of the time and stuff. 
But then, like, you have Otacon. And Otacon is a genuinely, like, kind of enjoyable person to talk to. And in the second one, you know, you've got a lot of mischief over the um, Kodak calls. Which I I think that is something I missed about 5 is that I just like the funny stuff that happens in the codec calls, especially because you can't see what's happening. Like you're forced to just infer what's happening sometimes. <laughs> and I like that um, through like character dialogue. But like, th- at least you have enjoyable people to talk to. But the person you fucking call in Revengeance most of the time, the like tech person, is just so weird to me. Like that person is stranger danger to me. I don't know what the fuck it is about him, but I'm just like, I do not want to hang out with this man. <laughs> I do not want to call him. I He did not pack me a lunch like Kaz. He did not lovingly pack me a Capri Sun. <laughs> He's just like, so weird. And then they're like, remember, you need the nanobites. And I'm like, what is happening right now? <laughs> Uh, I did not know that was canon. For some reason, I was going under the illusion that it wasn't canon. So I was like, I'll take this with a grain of salt. Well, fuck. It ruined my entire life just now. Uh, or did I improve it? Or did you improve it? That is the question. I can't wait to go back into it with this new knowledge that it is canon. I mean, I guess... So it, it kind of looks like casting. nobody can... Well, it says officially not canon here, but that's GameSpot, and I don't know if I trust that. I don't know. Does anybody... Does is Revengeance canon? Inquiring minds want to know. I mean, it It's canon know. in my heart. It's canon. <laughs> I think part of this, too, is that I just also really like Raiden, even though everybody hates Raiden. Actually, people, some well, people, like... It's like a mixed bag. People either kinda, hate Raiden, or they, like... They're like, Raiden deserved better. It's also kind of a complicated history, because, like, if you get into the games late, like I did, and you already knew he was the main character, too, then, yeah, then it's, it's easier not a to problem. take. But it was a surprise at the time. Yeah. They made jokes about it. Like, there's that whole Snake. there's that whole trailer video that they made where Raiden and Snake are fighting over the chair and, like, <laughs> for the main character. Because, like, um, I, like... There's that section at the beginning of the game in 2 where you play as Snake, and so they kind of, like, kept the screen caps and everything to just that. And then when the game came out and you suddenly replaced Snake with Raiden, everybody was like, what the fuck is this? And then Snake just shows up helpfully every once in a while to, you know, bring you your clothes and stuff. And then... I lo- okay, you know when the, at the end they're like, it, they're revealing all the stuff was fake, and I was like, is Snake even real? And they're, <laughs> they're like, except we didn't expect Snake to show up. And I'm like, oh, I knew I could count on Dave. <laughs> Dave, the only reliable, like, fucking Snake in the entire series. Me picks up Dave and carries him out of fucking Metal Gear. Don't ever talk to me or my son ever again. (laughs) Exactly. I'm that fucking meme of, like, the lady holding that man, except it's me holding fucking Dave and pointing threateningly at Hideo Kojima. (laughs) Leave him alone. (laughs) Leave Snake alone in that leave Britney alone voice. Ugh. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. Thank you for coming to our TED Talk. Our TED Talk on, like, why we can't let go of Metal Gear. <laughs> why I'm gonna die and I'm gonna be like, was, did that even happen or did I hallucinate it and then die? 
Like, did this happen <laughs> in Metal Gear? Like, that Lindsay Ellis video where she talks about um, why it's so hard to remember anything that happens in the Transformers movies. And there's that part where, like, her and her roommate, who really didn't care about Transformers, went to go see the movie. And, like, two days later, they're sitting on the couch watching TV. And she's like, did Bumblebee really pee on that guy? (laughs) (laughs) And Lindsay Ellis is like, no, he didn't. And her friend was like, yeah, he did. And then she went to see the movie again. She's like, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be me, but about Metal Gear. (laughs) Ugh, anyway, back to the real important people, which are the imported salt people. Imported salt. Um, the first comes from Yo Adrian at Raynorth1337. Um, no salt, but I played the Resident Evil 2 one-shot demo and it's disgustingly beautiful. Worth a try if you want to experience the survival horror. Also, hearing Jesse talk about MGS got me thinking that I should experience Kojima's military acid trip, but in a more hands-on approach. So I bought a copy of MGS The Twin Snakes for the GameCube. <laughs> That's an expensive buy. You probably would have been able to get the PlayStation 1 version for cheaper. Um, P.S. I watched Into the Spider-Verse, and it was amazing. The soundtrack is great, and everyone should listen to it. Man, I hope At least I The Twin Snakes inspired. was expensive when I bought it. I hope nobody's inspired to actually get into Metal Gear because of me. Because... <laughs> Jesus, you fools. I I am gonna need to go to talking to Kay about it is literally therapy right now. <laughs> so if you need to if you need to, to write into the podcast again and be like, I have some questions. Go ahead, because I have questions. It. Tell us about your Metal Gear experiences. And into the Spider-Verse is great. And it won an award. I forgot. I forgot to mention this. Did I yell that last time? Had the had they happened yet? I don't think so. Yeah, congratulations. It's only been like two weeks and we're all just like, what? When? Congratulations into the spider. I'm clapping and it sounds really unenthusiastic, but I swear to you, I'm super excited. Good job into the spider verse. A breakthrough. I mean, it's it's really not that hard to win best in animated films because you're jammed in that weird corner where Boss Baby was nominated for a film. Jake's not here, so I can do it. I think you mean Academy Award nominated Boss Baby? Um, I do it when he's here. Don't worry about that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't even give a shit anymore. I called him jackass for eating an apple like a horse. Um, Yeah, so, but it was an amazing film and did absolutely deserve award, and I'm really super proud of it. Um, I'll get the next one. Lord of the LGBTQIA plus likes at night underscore twinton. Twinton. God help twitten. me. Twitton. First Salta. I don't know if, if it's supposed to be Salta, but I it's spelled that way, so I'm reading First it that Salta way. 2019. First Salta 2019. Did I do okay? Um, yeah. I, I ordered the, a Kingdom Death expansion on Black Friday. It showed up today, the 15th of January. Like, I understand they're a small company and Black Friday sales are wild, but this shipped from their Australia warehouse. Um, it, it, this this listener is from Australia, by the way. Um, I don't... Wait, are they a Kiwi or are they Australian? I believe Australian. I believe Australian. Uh, it's Vader that's our resident Kiwi. All right. Um, and uh, so, so that is fucking hilarious it would it was um it was in the country they just didn't get around to sending it till last week 
At least it's here the next day. Ubisoft! I just responded to that second part with big mood. (laughs) (laughs) I love how I, I, I am sorry that I couldn't give that my full, like, best con yell, but we will be talking about Ubisoft. We're coming for you, bitch. Stay tuned for next week's Stay podcast. Because there are going to be a lot of angry, angry peeps on this podcast. And I think that's it, right? Be good? I believe so. Um, that's our podcast. Um, where can we find you on the internet? You can find me um, as at Filthy Wizard on Twitter, Filthy Magic User on Instagram, and Twitch. Uh, you can find me on Twitch and Twitter as Humanity Upgrade, and on Facebook and Instagram as Crowfeather Cosplay. You can find our Wayward co-host Jake on uh, at Jake underscore Lionheart on Twitter, and he's got re- links in his bio. You can find our podcast on Twitter as at Podcast Salt. Um, if you would like to support the show, please consider either leaving a review for us on iTunes or donating to our Ko-fi page, which is ko-fi.com slash saltreport. Um, and if you would like to have your salt feature on the show, please DM us or respond or tweet at us or whatever your preferred method of communication is. Go for it. We'll find smoke signals. We'll find them somehow. I don't know. Um, smoke signals might be a little harder, but... <laughs> Um, um, hi, I have a last minute piece uh-oh. of imported salt just for me just now. Uh-oh. Um, so, I made this very, like, like asinine tweet. Like, just a tweet about Songwreck, because I like the song Curiosity, and by this artist, and I tweeted it, and the artist liked it, and I'm happy. And... It got retweeted by a Twitter account that calls themselves the Vagina League. Um, um, that is a hand playing with an, a vagina that's like, this is their picture, and it's like a um, an LED sign. And it just says, the Vagina League, Vagina League, distressed flannel and home, homemade Bermuda s- shorts. They have two tweets, six followers, or six, they're following six people, and they have zero followers, right? So I don't really know what's going on here. And then they retweet my tweet, and they say, this is exactly how straight girl problems get started, and then added the creator, and then hashtag v- Vagina League. And I right. and I want to talk about how this, real quick, that this creator is LGBT. She's like, like this this i remember listening to this song and it's like it sounded like she said girl and then i like looked it up and yes it is about a girl and so that 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 happened this sounds like somebody trying like to start some shit and i really wish they wouldn't do it with my sweet innocent tweet that i'm just trying to tweet thank you for coming to my ted talk i'm sorry real fucking weird it's so fucking weird i'm, I'm sorry y'all i didn't mean to interrupt our uh good christian podcast but maybe block that person i'm absolutely gonna block them holy shit um i th- there's a lot there's definitely gonna be some biphobia happening here and and possibly some transphobia and i am not here for that shit and i'm gonna block them so 
Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Bye, Felicia. Bye, Felicia. (laughs) And with that, that's our show, I guess. Good night, everyone. Good night. Oh, my God.